Good evening, Patriots. How is everyone doing today? I hope everyone is well out there around the world, across the interwebs, and across our great nation, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another brand new episode of The Sea Report. And uh, coming to you live tonight, it's, uh, it's election night, ladies and gentlemen. We have a primary today, August 2nd, a Tuesday. 2022, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Mr. C, and uh, coming to you guys from the Sea Report Election Center, ladies and gentlemen, which is, uh, it's nice because I can actually wear my, you know, my red blazer when I'm, I'm in the election center and not uh, totally wash out, but that's neither here nor there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, great to see you all again tonight. I hope you all are ready for a great show. We've got a jam-packed report in front of us today, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what, there was no short amountage of scurrying around getting as many of these election stories I could get together. And uh, so what we'll be doing tonight as uh, we go through the report, uh, we'll be uh, keeping tabs on what's happening uh, during tonight's primary, as we've been talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight is a very pivotal primary, ladies and gentlemen, a very pivotal primary, because uh, we have two, actually, no, let's, well, we have two very important America First candidate um, um, states in play today. Now, and that's not to say that the... Uh, the um, individuals, the candidates that President Trump endorses are not all America first. I mean, obviously, if they were not America first, President Trump would not be giving them their endorsement. Uh, but let's just say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we've been talking up Arizona and we've been talking up Michigan. And in particular, because uh, the candidates um, whom we see in these states who have truly reflected boldly and courageously the ideals of the America First movement, as well as the will of their constituents, that is what they adhere to, ladies and gentlemen, have been so prevalent and so alarming to the likes of the establishment rhinos and the hard left progressives and Democrats, call them what you will, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I dare say that uh, most of the people in their states don't know what the heck to do, except for, you know, lie and uh, cheat and, uh, you know, inflate numbers, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on and on. Uh, but definitely, definitely we'll be looking at some of those stories as we move into tonight's show. Ladies and gentlemen, I have no doubt that you will absolutely enjoy everything that we have in store for you today. And uh, we'll definitely be taking a look at the numbers. The other important races, the reason why this is also pivotal, is uh, because it appears that we have three of the band of brothers. I, I call them the band of losers, actually. You know, those uh, of those 10 Republicans who voted to impeach 
Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. We know we're five down, but we have the possibility of having three of them primary tonight. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely one of those election nights that kind of has you on the edge of your seat. And uh, I do have uh, some um, pages here that we can look at, and we'll do that before we get in tonight's report to see if any of the numbers have started to roll in. I believe some of them have. But uh, there's a, uh, boy, I tell you what, I mean, I was getting nervous coming on the show today. You see, I'm already sweating, ladies and gentlemen, because it is just one of those evenings. It is one of those evenings. We'll have a really big focus on uh, Arizona and Michigan tonight uh, as we move into the report. Now, let me tell you why we'll be focusing in on these uh, two states in particular, uh, because whereas Washington and uh, Missouri and Kansas and Ohio, Um, who are other states that are in play tonight, uh, absolutely have some pivotal races uh, and absolutely have some Trump-endorsed candidates. Um, We see Michigan and Arizona, of course, as being recognized as uh, two of those states that were the most highly contentious for election fraud in the year 2020, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there was was a lot of shenanigans that happened in those states as we've covered in Toto here at the Sea Report. And I'm sure you all um, are very well aware of that. But uh, just like in Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, and just like in Colorado as well, which we all know Colorado was a state that was not a highly contentious state for fraud, but uh, the fraud was discovered, Um, we see that we have um, uh, the American people, the grassroots, and the America First candidates already all over exposing the fraud. That's right, in Colorado, we have Tina Peters, Secretary of State and America First candidate as part of the Secretary of State Coalition, who's already um, doing an investigation into, um, um, into what occurred during her primary, as well as already having some recounts started, okay, because the theft that happened there was so blatant and outright 2022. That's right. We're talking about this year, not 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we've already we've already uncovered fraud. We've already uncovered theft. And also, ladies and gentlemen, in Georgia, let's not forget about Georgia, where the numbers of the theft were so brazen obnoxious and filled with hubris and filled with uh, arrogance uh, that they actually gave um, uh, the winning Secretary of State uh, candidacy to a man that no one in Georgia would have voted for against a Trump-endorsed America first uh, previous senator? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, there's no way Brad Raffensperger beat him. And of course, um, as you all may remember, because of the diligence and the efforts of the likes of Garland Favorito of Voter GA, well, ladies and gentlemen, they've already done uncovered that fraud. And in fact, uh, they had uh, they had to stop because uh, Brad Raffensperger was uh, threatening him with cease and desist orders. Because they had a recount, they found out the percentages by which the votes were flipped. It is 
immaculately crazy. Well, you know what? Maybe that's what the hard left, the progressives, oh, the establishment, GOP, the deep staters, and the globalists would like us to believe, right? This theft is immaculate, right? We didn't do anything. The voting machines just flipped the numbers on their own. It's a miracle. It must mean that uh, the Democrats should uh, reign by divine right, because after all, there were no shenanigans that were done by man. It wasn't even man-made error. It was an immaculate theft, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know, maybe that's what they would like us to believe. Uh, but, uh, well, we can verify and testify otherwise, ladies and gentlemen. So, again, you know, some people, you know, I don't even think, you know, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think anyone is getting tired about hearing about all. I mean, this is, this is some riveting stuff, guys. Don't forget, you know, and I'm, as I'm sure you all know, uh, this is the cause of the time per um, the, our nation's history. Uh, we've never lived in a time where so much corruption has been exposed and turned over so quickly. Now, you might be saying, Mr. C, we haven't turned over. 2020 yet. Well, you know what? Is that the point? Is the point to overturn 2020 or is the point to ensure that we have fair and secure elections, ladies and gentlemen? And that is the point. So with that said, you know, while we have not yet recalled electors or even nullified the whole entire 2020 election as we lawfully can, you know, um, we have at all odds exposed massive amounts of voter fraud and um, um, other types of theft that were employed in the year 2020. Uh, you know, um, they probably utilized these methods for years, ladies and gentlemen, if not at least a decade or two. You know, uh, whenever we got in those electronic voting machines, uh, that's when the chicanery began, ladies and gentlemen. But of course, they were always ballot stuffing or, you know, buying out, uh, you know, buying out politicians, etc. prior to that. But uh, Talk about going into high gear, ladies and gentlemen, once we had the ability to defraud and disenfranchise the American people by way of electronic machines, ladies and gentlemen. Because uh, I guess, you know, I guess, you know, they, they think that uh, the American people are too dull to keep up with technology. They're just like Hillary Clinton. And they think that uh, you can communicate securely over an email and the emails will not uh, will not ever be found if you, uh, you know, uh, bleach bit them or you destroy it or you 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 hammer into the hard drive, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know, uh, that's Hillary Clinton. OK, uh, you know, establishment and globalists. Uh, she's the one who thought that she was better than technology. Uh, the American people, ladies and gentlemen, the American people, uh, well, 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 you know, we're, we're pretty good about uh, keeping up with the times. And we thoroughly understand, you know, uh, I was reading a whole bunch of articles and actually... It kind of seems like a theme, you know, uh, when we're talking about the lies that the Democrats and we're going to say the Democrats for now because they are the ones who currently hold the executive and, you know, the whole enchilada, right? 
they can they can pass all of these uh, tax bills that will raise taxes on the middle class. They can lie about the uh, percentage decrease or increase of gas prices compared to a couple of months ago. You know, uh, hold on to that thought there, guys, because later on, you're it's just going to boggle your mind the way that these people think, you know, and they don't even necessarily have to be Democrat, but that's usually the way that they fall, ladies and gentlemen. And it's just this kind of sideways logic. But uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, again, we'll get to that a little bit later on in the night. It's gonna, we're going to kind of leave you with a little cliffhanger there. Kind of like, what are you talking about? We're going to do a deep analysis into the thought process of pro progressives, liberals, left-leaning liberals, and Democrats. Well, <laughs> who would want to do that, right? Well, anyways, uh, not everyone would, but uh, some people do. Uh, you know, just to, to find a way to understand or or to find an agreement, right? Anyways, I'm just going to get ahead of myself here. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a time when um, the election fraud is being overturned quickly. That was my point, okay? My point was that uh, in 2020, ladies and gentlemen, we knew something had happened. We knew that there was fraud. Uh, there was insufficient evidence, they would say, uh, to prove that in the court of law. Of course, that is something that uh, opponents of election integrity or opponents of liberty and freedom would tell you, uh, as you will see a little bit later on tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to keep throwing these illusions out to you because um, future illusions prove past points, ladies and gentlemen, if you catch what I'm saying here. But anyhow, anyhow, uh, we have um, we have a period of time in front of us, guys, where um, not only are we able to spot the fraud, but we're acting on it quite immediately. You know, and, uh, you know, even during 2020, there was a lot of fishy business that was being reported on the spot, you know, and we need as many eyes on the ground and we need as many people covering these stories as possible. And uh, as you will see throughout the report tonight, there is already massive amounts of, of, um, of information flowing out of uh, states such as Arizona, where we see the chicanery returns, ladies and gentlemen. So do not allow me to delay any longer tonight, guys, because we've got a lot to cover and a lot to get through. Let me stop into the chat rooms real quick and say hello. We are broadcasting live today on Rumble, uh, foxhole.app, uh, clouthub, pilled.net, Twitch, and also on YouTube. That's right, YouTube. We're talking about election integrity tonight. We're talking about election fraud and elections. What you gonna do about it? All right, guys, it's part of my strategy, okay? It's part of my strategy to get kicked off of YouTube for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to keep on going at them because they destroyed a few of my accounts that had nothing to do with politics and America First and elections and COVID-19 and every other topic they don't want you to talk about. And it had a lot of stuff on there. Anyways, so uh, enough about me. Today is not about me. It's never about me, guys. It's about America first. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Aurelius Locke, good evening, sir. How you doing tonight? Good to see you. You are first in the chat room today, I see. And uh, always great to have you along with us, Mr. Railanon. Good evening, sir. Thank you for the 117 gold pill donation. And Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. What's going on, Subpack Vet? Good to see you tonight, my friend. <laughs> That's right, Sean Joe. The seamen are reporting for duty. And you know what? 
If you guys want to call yourselves that, you're more than welcome to. I ain't going to touch that with the 20-foot pole, okay? <laughs> oh, what do we got going on here? Sean, Joe, and Relanon. You guys are having a cookie fight or what? Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys so much for tossing your cookies. Uh, let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Save some cookies for the children, gentlemen. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, the, uh, the the spirited gifts, lady, uh, sir. I was going to say ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen. Gentlemen, I appreciate you very much for your continued support of the broadcast. And it looks like uh, it looks like Relanon wins this battle. Hey, Sean Joe. Ah, oh, you guys are awesome. Um, let's see here. Rail <laughs> I'm not going to read that one, Relanon. That would just be bad. Sean Joe says, uh, I look more salmon than red. You know what? I think it's the camera. There's something on the camera. You know, it does kind of look salmon. But it is red. I, you know, this is my old red blazer. Anyways, okay, maybe it's a little faded, right? Uh, Shanjo says, just wish Mr. C got more support. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate you. He gives you a quality show every time. I do the best I can. And, uh, you know, I'm only here to share information, guys, uh, that, I, you know, I just, I feel like it needs to get out. But uh, I appreciate the sentiment, Shanjo. I definitely do. Uh, you guys uh, come into the show every day and uh, being in the chat rooms is a great support. You know, and you know what? You can always do it for free, too. Just share the links, uh, spread the word, talk about this uh, crazy, you know, a, a bald-headed guy that tells you about uh, election integrity and could talk you into the ground about every piece of election fraud that was discovered since 2020 up until 2022, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, I can do it. All right. Let's see what else we got here today. Filled with chicanery or Sean Connery? <laughs> Aurelius Locke, what you up to there with Sean Connery chicane? It's the it's the chicanery of Sean Connery. Uh, it's the chicanery of Sean Connery. That's about the best I could do. When I was younger, I used to be able to do a Sean Connery uh, accent a lot better, but uh, I guess I'm not even really trying. Aha! You want you want me to get to the meat and potatoes, uh, Mr. Aurelius Locke? <laughs> Foreshadowing. Okay, I'm glad I did not read. <laughs> I'm glad I did not read that first uh, first statement there, Mr. Uh, Aurelius Locke. Uh, C-men, that's right. I. <laughs> You're too much, guys. You are too much. All right, guys. Okay, we got to get into the report because I've got a long way to go before the end of the night. And I've got a lot of news to cover. I appreciate you being here. If you're joining us over at YouTube, of all places, right? If you're joining us over at Twitch or at Clout Hub or at Rumble, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Uh, if I can pop into those chat rooms and see what's going on there, I will as the night progresses. And again, many thanks for your support. Now, as always, President Trump leads at the Sea Report. So let's go ahead and get started with our President Trump statements for today. Uh, you know, uh, why do I need to go through headlines when uh, President Trump is making so many astute points? Here is our first one for you all, ladies and gentlemen, and it goes this way. Why is crazy Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan? <laughs> Who let her out of her cage, right? Always causing trouble. Nothing she does turns out well. Two failed impeachments, loss of house, etc. Watch. Hmm. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, Nancy Pelosi being in Taiwan, as we all know, does not bode well for the state of this world, but I know with all of our positive energies, we'll turn that right around, right, ladies and gentlemen? Whether we're praying or we're visualizing, we'll make sure that we keep peace on the ground. But let me tell you why I say that. Because everybody knows the Democrats need a war right now. It's like they're falling back on the old schemes of the international money changers. Yes, that's right. The bankers themselves. What was the number one tactic that the central bankers would do whenever they needed to cover up the fact that it's because of their monetary policy that the country is going into recession or depression. Why? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they started a war. And it makes perfect sense that uh, crazy Nancy Pelosi, whom I, you know, um, I affectionately refer to as Hoods Pelosi. If any of you guys are wondering why I call her Hoods Pelosi, just get with me after the show and I'll explain it all to you. You'd have to be here from the first episode to understand that reference. I know some of you guys understand that reference, but uh, Hoods Pelosi, otherwise known as Crazy Nancy Pelosi, is hobbling her frail, jittery, um, uh, 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 delirium tremens body over to Taiwan. I'm surprised that she could even get on a plane without, uh, you know, something otherwise uh, eventful, but uh, unfortunate for some. I mean, I don't think it would be unfortunate for all of you guys if she had some kind of a uh, health event on an airplane because, you know, the altitude and the pressure changes and, you know, her age and she's frail and, you know, her veins could pop or something like that. But, you know, anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, crazy Nancy Pelosi goes to Taiwan, okay? Now, they need a war, and that's basically what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen. They need a war, and uh, we already know we have it on good word from who? We have it on on good word from um, uh, President Xi, right? Xi Jinping over there in China, who's like, Oh, you better not go over to Taiwan, Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi, right? Now they're going to say the C report is a racist show because he pronounced his L's as an R whenever he was imitating Xi Jinping, right? Anyhow. Oh, well, you know, uh, cancel me if you can, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but anyhow, so, you know, she cannot be, okay, well, you know, I guess Nancy Pelosi's going to Pelosi, right? She's going to do whatever she wants to do. She needs to provoke a war, right? She risked her health just to get on that plane, and uh, she dared her way through the skies through uh, various um, pressure changes and high altitudes, etc. Right? Her her, um, her, bless her little heart, right? Uh, just to get over to Asia. Uh, we all knew she was going to go to Taiwan, even though they're like, oh, well, Nancy Pelosi is going to Asia. She's going to be touring four or five countries, but she's not going to Taiwan. Give me a break. That's the only reason why she went to Asia, right? She has no other reason to go to Asia unless she wants to, I don't know, get like a, uh, an infant foreskin facial or something like that. That's the only other reason why she'd be there, ladies and gentlemen. How do you think she keeps her skin so baggy and smooth? Oh, oh, you know, just the thought of that. The foreshadowing, right, Aurelius Locke? The foreshadowing. Anyways, so, uh, well, there you go, sirs and gentlemen and ladies and madams. You have Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan. We'll see what happens. Um, You know, the headlines I was reading, because I had not been able to pour through them with everything else that I was um, um, looking up and reading today, 
does not look good. Like what? Uh, China is moving ships into the South uh, China Sea and uh, yeah, they're making threats and they're very angry ladies and gentlemen, that Nancy Pelosi's over there. And then you know what? There was an article. I read the headline. I did not read the article. So I can only go so far as to assess. But the headline read, the Pentagon does not feel that Taiwan should be independent. So the Pentagon's taking China's side and Nancy Pelosi's taking Taiwan's side. You know what? No, I don't think that's it at all. I think they all take China's side, but they're just trying to provoke a war. I mean, look at today's primary, okay? Today's primary stands to really clear the stage and set the stage. It's going to clear the stage of all the establishment rhinos, and it's going to set the stage for what could be a massive red wave, or we'll call it a red blaze, right? In November... So we'll just have to see how that goes, guys. We'll just have to see how that goes. How's it going, Justice Song? Good to see you in the audience today. Hope you're doing well. Hope the family's doing fine. And uh, glad you're hopping along for tonight's episode. Uh, let's see. I accidentally uh, cut off President Trump in this statement, so please forgive me. <laughs> Here is President Trump's next statement. It could be anybody without Trump's face on there, right? Uh, it says, knock out impeachment slime, Jaime. Just kidding, it's Jamie. But I tell you guys, I've never seen, I've never seen a Jaime spelt like that. I mean, a Jamie. I keep saying Jaime, you know, because that's like the Spanish male name for James. But her name is Jamie. I thought the I was on the other side of the M. But you know what? I'm just getting into my, uh, what, what is that called again? My... I'm just dipping into my uh, my um, uh, grammar notification here. Anyways, so Jamie Herrera Butler, Dan Newhouse, and Peter Meyer. Today, I reiterate, knock out impeachment slime. Jamie Herrera Butler, Dan Newhouse, Peter Meyer. Today, the rest, including the now disgraced rhino Lizard Cheney, are either gone or soon will be. Five are already quitters because they were so far behind. Make America great again. And indeed, my friends, that is exactly what I was referencing when I was talking about uh, the Band of Brothers. You know, uh, these 10 Republicans, right, that voted against Trump, uh, they called themselves, they fashioned themselves the Band of Brothers, you know, right? Because they stuck together against all odds. And you know really what it was, is that these rhinos who had no problem stepping up to bat and showing everyone who they were as being duplicitous and two-faced, right? Okay? Treasonous if you want to go that far, right? Um, they had no problem stepping up to bat. And you know what? They, they, it was probably more arrogance why these 10 decided to impeach Trump. They were probably like, oh, if we step behind Lizard Cheney, okay, and we all stand together and we vote to impeach Trump, we'll inspire the entire GOP establishment to uh, impeach Trump. Well, <laughs> fortunately for us, politicians are very self-centered and very uh, concerned about their own personal survival at least where politics are concerned. So uh, no one backed him up, right? You know, and I'll never forget this article that I had read uh, whenever we were talking about the Band of Brothers just after the second impeachment where uh, 
the article said that, and of course, you know, uh, crying Adam Kinsinger was talking about crying. He was like, sometimes I just got to cry. Right. But, uh, even their family, uh, they're like, yeah, my family's like, you stupid jerk. Why would you impeach Trump? You know, right. Like, are you retarded or something like that? Like, do you not have a political will to survive anyhow? So the band of brothers, we already got five of the 10 down, ladies and gentlemen, and we look to, uh, possibly strike out three tonight. And I guess we'll see what happens. I guess we will see what happens. Now, Jamie Herrera Butler and Dan Newhouse, uh, they are representatives, I should say, so-called representatives, ladies and gentlemen, of, uh, of Washington State. So Washington State is in primary tonight as well. And of course, Peter Meyer is over in the corrupt state of Michigan. So, uh, and he is, uh, he, he faces t- top contender John Gibbs. John Gibbs, he's a he's an interesting fellow. I got to say I've taken a shining to him over the times, but uh, we'll see how this goes, guys. We'll see how this goes. Don't worry, we'll be looking at some of the numbers soon, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to our next Trump statement. All right, we got another statement about the unselect committee here, and it goes this way. The unselect committee of political thugs has not devoted 1 hour to the massive election fraud and irregularities that took place in the 2020 election. The reason that hundreds of thousands of people went to Washington on January 6th. When will they start? The unselects also refuse to look at why crazy Nancy Pelosi and uh, the mayor of D.C., turned down from 10 to 20,000 troops. Why is this, I wonder? Hopefully that rhetorical question will get lodged in the minds of many, President Trump, and uh, perhaps they'll ponder it while they lay awake at night wondering what's going on with our nation. Or maybe not. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for our President Trump statements for this evening. And uh, I tell you what, guys, it is time to fastidiously jump into uh, today's primary races. We have Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, and Washington on the board tonight. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a pretty, I'm feeling pretty confident and good about tonight, guys. I know last night I was saying they're probably going to throw um, um, Arizona to maintain Michigan. But if you think about it, if you think about, if I had thought about this, if I had had enough foresight in the last 24 hours, I might've realized, well, technically, if Tudor Dixon is an establishment pick, then, uh, the rhinos of the establishment have already won technically, right? Technically, um, maybe in November, Maybe in November, if we get to November, right? And I mean elections, not the human race, ladies and gentlemen. If we get to November with the elections, right? Uh, And by that, I mean if uh, we don't start proceeding with, uh, you know, uh, nullifying the entire election of 2020. You know, like, do you guys think that if every single one of us in the audience and every single person that we know who is involved or engaged in this participatory 
um, a right of ours. It's a participatory right. You can choose to participate or not, but it's still your right, you know. Um, all wrote a letter, or maybe we sent a little, a, a really simple and uh, concise packet that explained exactly about the machines and, you know, the voting system testing labs and how they lacked accreditation and how the machines lacked certification and only 5% of every single voting machine might have been certified. Do you think if all of us sent a simple, concise packet of information to all of our representatives that they would have no choice but to agree with us? I mean, how can you ignore information like that when it's staring you right in the face with the certificates that are not signed, with the certificates that do not have the proper signatures or the dates, you know, um, or the entire fact that they were not even certified or accredited since 2017, ladies and gentlemen? You would think that they would have to pay attention to that, right? Do you think that's a worthy effort? Because apparently they don't read the pages of the Gateway Pundit or Tory Says or anything like that. Otherwise, they would have known about this stuff eons ago, ladies and gentlemen. And we could have gotten on with nullifying this election. Anyhow, hey, two in the pink, what's going on? How you doing tonight? Thank you for gifting the ship. Hey, is there any hope for the selections? NS. What's a, oh, you mean the select? I don't know. I'm sorry, Tune the Pink. You might have to rephrase that question, but thank you for donating the ship, sir. I very highly appreciate that. And Relanon, thank you for piggybacking on top of that. And it looks like you guys are about to get into a cookie fight as well. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think Tune the Pink might be testing out a hypothesis, Relanon. <laughs> or maybe a theory. Oh, it looks like he is. <laughs> Hello, Awakened Mom. How are you doing this afternoon, this evening, depending on where you are in the nation? Uh, Awakened Mom says, hello, at Mr. C. I heard Arizona is having problems. I'm in, oh, well, you answered my question. I am in, in Maryland and hoping Dan Cox, a GOP Trump-backed candidate, wins. He beat Rhino Kelly Schultz. Um, didn't Dan Cox win? I thought he won. Did we didn't did what did we not we actually did not cover Awakened Bomb on be if I'm being honest, we actually did not cover uh the Dan Cox race. Uh oh, but you know what? You must be talking about maybe the November elections. Huh. I'll have to look into that one, Awakened Mom. But one thing for sure, Awakened Mom, that I can tell you is that we will be covering all of the problems or at least the ones that we've uh, discovered so far in the Arizona race tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight. So hang tight because there are a lot of shenanigans happening on the ground and uh well we want to make sure that we get that information out there so it is known in the collective consciousness and it is accepted by all on a subconscious level ladies and gentlemen okay so uh let's see what else we got going on here uh let's go ahead and uh let's let's go ahead and open her up ladies and gentlemen let's see okay so this is going to be our starting mark here let me go ahead and expand this on the screen for you all and actually, I'm going to just go ahead and give this the big screen view, okay? So we'll be referring to the Epoch Times website for um, election updates for today's primary. And actually, what I want to do now is I want to refresh this because I have not uh, had, I've had this page open for quite some time. So let's go ahead and refresh that. Let's see if we have any numbers, new numbers coming in. I'm going to expand it this way and we're going to take out that side over there. And Oh, whoa, that's a little bit too big, isn't it? 
let me go ahead and shrink that down. Yeah, my computer is running a little bit slow, but I have a lot of pages open. I'm pretty sure we'll be able to make it through the evening without too many technical hiccups. Uh, some people would call them blessings, but you know, I just like to call them gremlins. Okay, so let's go ahead and scroll down the page here. Uh, Arizona U.S. Senate Democrat primary. We're not too interested in the, the Democrats, obviously. We're uh, wanting to keep an eye. What they, I guess they don't have any reporting coming in yet, huh? Yeah, I could have sworn I've seen some reporting coming in already, so I might have to uh, check another page here in just a minute. But we'll be referencing this page throughout the night. Hopefully they will update some results, or maybe they're just going to wait until the results are final. Uh, but let's look at some of the races in these states that we are paying attention to, starting off in Arizona. Uh, again, skipping through the Democrats, uh, we got um, Arizona House Republican Primary District 1. I think Josh Barnett sounds like sounds like Kathy Barnett, so I can't really relate these two. Okay, and uh, let's see, Republican Primary. So we got Carrie Lake for the governor. Uh, and these are her, <laughs> there's a salmon in there. Uh, these are her competitors. Of course, we're expecting Carrie Lake to blow this race away. Uh, now, if we're looking at Michigan, uh, let's see here. That guy's running uncontested. Governor's primaries, Tudor Dixon. Oh, check this out, guys. Oh, that's right. I forgot Arizona's behind us. Okay, so we got uh, Tudor Dixon in the lead over here in Michigan. Uh, with a 43 to 43.37% uh, with a 54,323 votes. Keeping in mind that Tudor Dixon is the Trump endorsed candidate. So uh, that's going to be good for President Trump's scorecard. <clears throat> will it be good for the people of Michigan? We will find out, ladies and gentlemen. We will find out. Uh, other favorites there were Garrett Saldano. And uh, I think Ryan Kelly, Kevin Rinke, I think was, you know, kind of uh, on the fence for most people, but he takes second place thus far. Uh, it's estimated that 10% of the total vote is in for Michigan as of 8.13 uh, p.m. Eastern time. Uh, looking at Kansas now, uh, we have Kansas U.S. Senate primary, Jerry Morgan, Joan Farr. Um, and uh, we have uh, 21,754 uh, votes for Jerry Moran. Let's go ahead and move on down here. Tracy Mann is the uncontested winner of Kansas uh, House Republican Primary District 1. We'll move on down from here to uh, Kansas Governor Republican Primary, Derek Schmidt. Okay. Derek Schmidt, where is... Uh... Am I missing something here, guys? Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Sorry, guys. I'm thinking of Eric Schmidt, not Derek Schmidt. My bad. What the heck? There's two Schmidts running? That's interesting. Okay, that's Missouri, not Kansas. Okay, so... <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, okay, all right, let's keep on. Now we got Missouri. Now we got Missouri. Uh, Missouri U.S. Senate Republican Primary. Uh, okay, again, are we missing some? Oh, there's Greitens. Okay, so we actually have Eric Schmidt, the, uh, the unfavored in the lead here in the state of Missouri. Again, uh, as far as we know, we have Eric Greitens, uh, the, um, self-professed America first, make America great again candidate, uh, in third place, ladies and gentlemen, 
Now, I don't know the state of Missouri, the politics enough to uh, say whether or not this looks like it could be foul play. Uh, and I say that because I don't follow the state of Missouri close enough, but I do know Eric Greitens is the Trump-endorsed candidate in this race. And he is currently in third place at 17.33%. Interesting, interesting. Uh, that's at 3%, though, guys. We're only at 3% of the total vote coming in at this time with the, de the declaration of those numbers. Uh, well, Cory Bush... Ugh. Gross. Cori Bush needs to learn how to apply her makeup. Mm. Missouri U.S. House Republican Primary District 1. It looks like we have Andrew Jones in the lead at 37.77%, but it's pretty tight, guys. That's almost a three-way split right there. Very interesting. Washington State. Let's uh, check out what we got going on in Washington State. Uh, let's see. Washington U.S. House Top 2 Primary District and uh, Washington U.S. Senate top two primary districts. So we have, uh, oh, it's not being called yet, obviously, because they're west of us. So uh, we'll wait for those numbers to trickle in and we'll return to this page since uh, obviously it is populating. So you have, uh, let's see here, who do we got? And anyone here that's interesting to us? Nope, not particularly. Uh, in this race, uh, I'm looking for the uh, Trump-endorsed candidates here. I'm probably missing some. Why did I not see uh, Butler or um, Newhouse here? I mean, there's John Butler. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, you know, uh, the Epoch Times is also missing the Ohio race. They don't have the Ohio race posted on their website either. But um, I mean, if I'm being absolutely honest, we will not touch on Ohio too much tonight. I'm looking more forward to November when we're talking about Ohio. That's another state that I don't follow too closely because uh, I am just so busy with all of this other information, I do the best I can, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go ahead and remove this from here. I tell you, I'm going to do a little bit of technical stuff here real quick before we move on to our first story of the night. Did I do it right? I don't know if I did it right. Okay. Actually, how about we do this? You don't have to watch what I'm doing. I will do that. Okay. And now you can see me and not what I'm doing. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So I just want to uh, take this page out and put it behind our report for tonight so we can just reference it really easily. Know what I mean? Of course you do. Okay. Look at what you went and did there, Mr. C. Okay. All right. Let's get this baby fixed up again and we'll pop that. that. Oh, there we go. It's there we go. Excellent. 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 All right, let's see what else we got going on in here. Uh, is there any hope for elections, uh, these elections that are going on? Oh, okay, that was a question. Thank you, Tune the Pink. And thank you guys so much for the cookie uh, competition you guys had going on. But Tune the Pink asked, is there any hope for these elections that are going on? Do you mean the ones currently? Well, if Georgia and Colorado and Pennsylvania are any evidence to in the pink, I'd say no. But I'd say let them steal it. Uh, let them steal. Because after all, uh, we're on it in like real time, you know, like debunking the fraud as it happens, finding it, or I should say identifying it, documenting it and doing something about it. Now, uh, the process of uh, what will come out of doing something about it is going to take time, but it's already there. You know, uh, I mean, it just reminds me of like Garland Favorito, ladies and gentlemen, like he was there on the ground at the precinct and right at the end of it, he was like, can I have a recount? You know, and so <laughs> 
And that's how we found out, guys. It's all about, you know, it's all about us being there and participating. You know, we have to be present. And uh, and uh, Garland Favorito is a great example, along with all the other patriots who are out there poll watching or having uh, having uh, um, absentee ballot drop box tail, um, uh, tailgate parties and stuff like that or campouts and things like that. You know, we have to uh, we have to we have to be diligent ourselves. You know, we are uh, returning to uh, the era of self governance, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're rediscovering what it means to be the self governed. Okay, which means that sometimes we have to roll up our sleeves and we have to get a little dirty and uh, we have to participate, you know, something that we've lacked for so long, but it's okay because it's been by design for it to be that way. So don't beat yourself up over it. But now the time has come for us to participate. So, uh, you know, I think as far as uh, some of the primaries we're seeing today, yeah, I think I think we have a good shot. I mean, obviously, maybe not Eric Greitens will have a good shot at it. But, you know, I you, you guys know how I feel about Greitens, right? You know, I feel kind of like, well, you know, um, there's something creepy about the man. But uh, nevertheless, you know, if he did a great job, that'd be awesome. Uh, but either way, guys, uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I'd say it's a 50-50. You know, two, two in the pink, even though this might be a generic kind of answer, I'd say it depends on if your glass is half full or your glass is half empty, sir. <laughs> you guys, can we get a cleanup to the C chat room? We got some uh, We got some people tossing their cookies today. Thank you guys so much. Sean, Joe, Railanon, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for the donations coming into the show tonight. Uh, let's see what else we have going on. Kiss is in the house. How's it going, Kiss? Good to see you tonight. Thank you so much for dropping the links in the chat room and for your continued support of the show. Oklahoma Bob, what's going on, Oklahoma Bob? How goes elections? Check back in three days to find all the results change. I know, right? <laughs> you know what? Let's just stop talking about elections for tonight and let's just return to it next week, right? When, when the dust has settled, right? You know, and I bet you most of the dust will settle here before they even certify the uh, uh, Mehmet Oz and uh, David McCormick race over there in Pennsylvania. Uh, that that's, that's funny stuff right there. That is some funny stuff right there. <laughs> okay, and let's see what else we have. Good, glad to have you with us. Uh, let's see, Missouri, um, Missouri, Kansas, and uh, and Michigan. I was like, yeah, coming in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely, they are, Mister Aurelius Locke. Arizona is with uh, Washington in Pacific time. Currently, they will still start coming in together. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Oklahoma Bob says, Greitens got butchered in media blitz recently. Well, you know, he goes around touting himself as uh, as a fourth and fifth amendment defying gun toting crazy lunatic with a silly grin. Uh, uh, some people have said that that is actually the, uh, what, what did you guys call it? They called it the, um, they called it the uh, skeleton grin or the reaper grin. I mean, I don't necessarily want my representative to have a reaper grin, okay? I'd rather have civilized discourse than threaten everyone with guns. And you guys know I have nothing against guns. Obviously, I have nothing against guns, right? But... You know, we're living in an era where they want us to use our guns. They've been just waiting. They've been salivating for patriots to pick up their guns and shoot something. Okay, besides a deer, you know, or or a thief or, you know, a mass murderer <laughs> or a pedophile. You know, they've been just salivating for us to do that. And that's why I just it doesn't 
it doesn't tickle my fancy. But uh, man, so he got he got uh, he got butchered, huh, Oklahoma Bob? That's pretty interesting. I didn't follow any of those stories. Awakened Mom says Dan Cox won the primary in Maryland over. Yeah, I thought so. I thought he did win. Awakened Mom. So um, uh, let me see your uh, your comment um, has evaded me. There we go. Uh, Dan Cox won primary in Maryland over Kelly. Understand that Maryland is full of rhinos. Oh, indeed. Kelly lost to go- uh, lost Governor Hogan's. Kelly lost. That was Governor Hogan's protege. Indeed, indeed, Awaken Mom. That is what I have heard about the state of Maryland. I've heard it is pretty bad over there. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and that the victory of Dan Cox in the primary was actually. It was, it's almost like a, uh, a godsend uh, from what I understand. So good job for Dan Cox. Congratulations. I knew I thought I had heard he won, but you almost got me there, Miss Awakened Mom. Uh, Sean Joe, more cookies coming out of Sean Joe's cookie jar. Thank you, sir. And Railanon. Will you guys think you can beat Railanon? No, just kidding. <laughs> And Oklahoma Bob is getting in on the cookie action also. Uh, <laughs> we'll just say cookie wars, okay? We'll just say cookie wars, Oklahoma Bob. Uh, half whiskey. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, sir, this is cafe. Uh, I know you're not talking about me. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're, uh, you're drinking tonight, Mr. Aurelius Locke, but enjoy and be safe. And thank you guys so much again for your support. Okay, let's see here. Justice Song says, is foxhole buffering for you guys? Ladies and gentlemen, I hope it's not. But if it is, you know what to do. Uh, uh, if you want to hang out, uh, stay on with the show for tonight, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, foxhole provides such a great environment for patriots and for uh, 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 lovers of America. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? So uh, let me go ahead and do this real quick before we press on. Thanks for the heads up on that, y'all, by the way. Because you never know if you might need a lifeline. And I'll throw a lifeline out into the chat room. Just as a contingency plan, ladies and gentlemen. Just as a contingency plan. You don't want to miss out on today's show. We got a lot of information for you. That is for sure. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in again, ladies and gentlemen. Where were we? Where was I? Who am I? Oh, that's right. I'm Mr. C. Oh, yes, we're talking about elections. Okay, so our first story for tonight, we're going to start off with Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, before we jump into the hot and heavy with Arizona. Now, Washington, as I've been saying, features two, two members of the Band of Brothers, uh, otherwise known as the Band of Losers, the Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. And they are facing primaries tonight and uh hopefully they will be primary ladies and gentlemen and uh, it'll just go to show sometimes you feel like a nut and you vote to impeach president trump and uh, what happens okay so uh pictured on the screen here is one uh, jamie herrera butler and uh, one dan newhouse again these are two of the house republicans who voted to impeach trump that's their face. Let's get them off the screen. Now, here are their uh, Trump-endorsed contenders, ladies and gentlemen. We are looking at uh, on the, uh, let's see here, my, no, wait, wait, your, wait, wait. Okay, the young guy, that, 
the young guy, that is Joe Kemp, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and he is running against Jamie Herrera Butler in District 3, Washington. And uh, the gentleman to his left is Lauren Culp, who is running in District 4 against Dan Newhouse. So we'll see how this turns out for those two band of loser brethren. And let's take a look at what this article has to say. It's from Oregon Live, ladies and gentlemen. It is a uh, otherwise um, otherwise uh, legacy press local type of uh, um, um, outfit. So you might want to take the article with a grain of salt, or maybe they'll be fair. Who knows, right? Washington State Primary features two top two winners system. Herrera Butler, Newhouse targeted for Trump votes. So Washington State primary features top two winners system. Okay. And the article will explain what that is because I have no idea what they're talking about. But we're looking at Herrera Butler, no hyphen, and Newhouse being targeted by Trump candidates. And uh, it goes this way. Washington voters will winnow the field of candidates in dozens of races in the state's primary Tuesday. Washington is a vote-by-mail state, and ballots were sent to nearly 4.8 million registered voters weeks ago. Voters must have their ballots postmarked and in the mail by Tuesday, or they can drop them off at drop boxes around the state by 8 p.m. Results often take days to come in as the ballots arrive in election offices throughout that week. Under the state's primary system, the top two votes vote-getters advance to the general election in November, regardless of party. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Here's a look at the top race voters. Uh, the top races voters will be weighing in on uh, for the U.S. Senate. U.S. Senate uh, Senator Patty Murray faces more than a dozen primary candidates as she seeks a sixth term, but is expected to advance with Republican Tiffany Smiley, a first-time political candidate. Washington voters have elected a Republican to the U.S. Senate since um, 1990. Oh, wait. Washington voters have not elected a Republican to the United States Senate since 1994. Smiley, a former nurse from Pasco, was highlighted, has highlighted her past advocacy for her husband, a military veteran who was blinded in an explosion while serving in Iraq. Murray, a member of Democratic leadership, has risen to chair of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. In Congress, all 10 congressional seats are on the ballot, but only three races are competitive. Three Republican challengers have mounted campaigns in an effort to unseat Democrat U.S. Representative Kim Schreier in Washington's 8th Congressional District. Army veteran Jesse Jensen, who ran unsuccessfully against Schreier in 2020. King County Councilmember Reagan Dunn, a former federal prosecutor whose mother once held the seat and former state attorney general candidate Matt Larkin. The seat is a key target of GOP efforts to retake control of the House. Two other Republican members, Representative Jamie Herrera Butler in the 3rd Congressional District and Representative Dan Newhouse in the 4th Congressional District, are being targeted by some within their own party, 
over their vote to impeach President Donald Trump. Herrera Butler faces several Republican opponents as she seeks a seventh term, including Joe Kent, a former Green Beret endorsed by Trump. And I apologize, I said Joe Kemp earlier. It's Joe Kent. And Democrat um, Marie Glusen Camp Perez. Well, that's a humdinger of a name there, if you ask me. Newhouse, a four-term congressman, has already drawn a Trump-endorsed challenger. Lauren Culp, a former small-town police chief who lost the 2020 governor's race to Democrat Jay Inslee, but refused to concede, won Trump's endorsement in February, but has lagged in fundraising. Jared Sessler, a Navy veteran and former NASCAR driver who has raised the most money among the challengers, followed by Democrat Doug White. Secretary of State is also on the ballot. Uh, Washington's Democrat Secretary of State, Steve Hobbs. Huh. I wonder if there's any relation to Katie. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think? Steve Hobbs and Katie Hobbs, right? The 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 uh, sibling secretaries of snakes, right? Of the uh, of the West as it were. So anyhow, uh, Hobbs was appointed by Governor Jay Inslee last November to replace former Republican Secretary of State Kim Wyman, who left to take a key election position in the Biden administration. Very interesting. Very interesting. I had no idea about this. So uh, it says here also, Hobbs faces several challengers, including a long-serving elections official from Pierce County who is running as a nonpartisan as he attempts to hang on to the office for the remaining two years of Wyman's term. There are multiple Republicans in the race, but the challenger who, who has raised the most money is Pierce County Auditor Julie Anderson. Uh, who says she would push she would push for a change to state law to make the office nonpartisan among the Republicans in the race, former Senator Mark Milosia, who is now head of the Conservative Family Policy Institute, has raised the most among the Republican candidates. Republican Senator Keith Wagner has been endorsed by uh, former Republican Secretary of State Sam Reed. Tambourine Borelli, an America First candidate, was was fined by the state Supreme Court in June for making legally meritless claims alleging widespread voter fraud. What? This is insane. First of all, a name like Tambourine Borelli, right? Uh, is that uh, Tambourine Borelli of the Arizona Borellis or what? What is going on here? Why do we have an Arizona Hobbs and a Washington Hobbs and an Arizona Borelli and a Washington Borelli? Okay. <laughs> Is there any relation or do you think this is a ploy, right? You're going to read in the headlines, uh, candidate Borelli is uh, fined by the state Supreme Court for making legally meritless claims, alleging widespread voter fraud. And then everyone who knows Sonny Borelli's like, oh no, what happened to Sonny Borelli? He got fined by what? And then everyone's like, don't vote for Sonny. Of course, we're talking about low information voters here, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about people who actually know what's going on or who are engaged such as this audience is. Uh, very, very interesting that. Very, very interesting that.
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Hill.net. All right, we also have um, legislative races. All 98 seats in the House are up for election, as are 25 of the 49 in the Senate. Senate. Of the 123 total legislative races, there are 29 incumbents running unopposed. Come on, Washington. Get you some America First candidates to oppose those incumbents. In 42 seats, there's only two candidates running, all of whom will automatically advance to the November ballot. Democrats currently hold a 28 to 21 advantage in the Senate and a 57 to 41 advantage in the House. The most expensive legislative race is the 26th district in the Senate, where Democrat incumbent Senator Emily Randall is facing a challenge from Republican Representative Jesse Young. Combined, they have raised more than $814,000 to date, with spending topping $455,000 heading into the primary. No one wants to look at you, Jamie. And there you go, guys. That is a quick rundown on what is going on over in Washington. And as soon as those numbers start to come in, uh, we'll take a look in just a bit. Hey, Sazzy Q, pew, pew, pew. How's it going tonight? Good to see you, sweetie. Glad you're joining us tonight. Uh, bit, yes, yes, we got Wisconsin happening next week on the 9th. That is Tuesday the 9th. They will be having their primary. That's going to be another big one, ladies and gentlemen. Going to be looking forward to that most definitely. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss Sazzy Q. Awesome, awesome. I see you, Sazzy Q. I see you too. All right, let's get on to our next story for tonight. And we're heading into Arizona, ladies and gentlemen. We are heading into Arizona. Big, big elections in Arizona. A lot is riding on here. Let's not forget. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Arizona is, uh, it's, man, it's, it's where America first And I say that because they are the ones, and I'm not talking about the representatives and the senators. I'm talking about the constituents. I'm talking about the people, ladies and gentlemen. They're the ones who got the ball rolling on these audits. If it had not been for their fuel, you know, Wendy Rogers, Mark Fincham, you know, even Senate President Karen Fan could not have gotten as far as they did in advancing that forensic audit and uncovering the massive amounts of fraud that took place. So uh, there will always be a cowboy hat tip to the people of Arizona with much love from the Sea Report, because uh, they are they led the example, ladies and gentlemen, on how you do it when you are uh, part of this participatory self-governing uh, republic that we currently live under. 
Now, uh, Mark Fincham, the America First uh, Coalition candidate for Secretary of State, is actually set to sweep his primary. He is actually the presumptive winner, ladies and gentlemen. So I guess we'll see what happens as the night advances. Are they going to rig it against him or not? Because they're doing everything they can to do it. Before we get into some of those shenanigans that we have mentioned, let's see what this article has to say about Mark Fincham. This comes from the National File. It says, poll, Trump endorsed Mark Fincham is poised to blow out Uniparty Bo Lane in GOP primary. Fincham boasts a double, uh, maybe they mean boasts, Fincham boasts a double digit lead over Uniparty candidate Bo Lane going into Tuesday's Arizona Secretary of State primary. This one is critical, ladies and gentlemen, because of all of the election efforts per integrity that Mark Fincham has dedicated his time and life and well-being to. You know, we're talking about the uh, the ballot project, ladies and gentlemen, where they ha- where we have secured ballots that have what uh, uh, like uh, they're basically uh, counterproof, uh, counterfeit proof. Basically, they're counterfeit proof. You know, I mean, it's it's like their money, ladies and gentlemen, and they only cost twenty five cents a ballot, right? So that's pretty good for all of the features that the ballots will have over there. But you know, um, one of the stories that I don't think a whole lot of people know about Mark Fincham that I like to share every now and then has to do with uh, how he's been so vocal about the fraud that occurred in 2020 and about the theft that happened, okay? Uh, Not many people remember and or realize or know that, you know, he was actually, he's been vocal about it since day one. I mean, it was because of Mark Fincham that they were able to have the hearing in Arizona wherein they presented their evidence and, you know, then it was uh, dismissed on lack of standing, right? Some technicality, okay? So there is no election for evidence because uh, the judges threw it out. Well, the judges didn't even look at the evidence. Uh, And if they thought it was insufficient back then, they should see what we got now. Right, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, oh, wait, but they'll say this. They'll say this. How is it that uh, the Arizona forensic audit turned out more votes for Biden? (laughs) Well, it's because uh, the Democrats are very good at cheating, but they're very bad at counting. And uh, their hand recount of the same counterfeit ballots just, you know, turned up more votes for Biden. But uh, they didn't look at any of the forensics. They didn't even look at if they were lawful ballots. And in most cases, they weren't, as we've seen across the board in every state that this fraud touched. Correct? Correct. Awesome. Great. I'm glad we're on the same page. We don't have to be, but I'm glad we are. Now, Mark Fincham, actually, um, he, he was getting persecuted by the January 6th Unselect Committee because Mark Fincham was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, 2021, the day of the uh, false flag Capitol riots. And uh, he was actually taking the alternate slate of electors to the floor. Um, And uh, that's when they were like, Mark Fincham's an insurrectionist. He's like, I didn't give a speech. I didn't participate. I didn't even stop to listen to President Trump talk. I was delivering the alternate slate of electors. So uh, they tried to get him for that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But I've always I've always admired the man because he has been absolutely vocal. Now, I don't know what he does in his personal life. You know, like I, you know, the other the uh, photograph I showed of him is actually one of my favorites with the cowboy hat. Actually, I really like him with the cowboy hat and the the bolo tie. Uh, But there's 
there's there's some of his photos there, ladies and gentlemen, where they just I think Ali Akbar put too much blush on his cheeks, you know, and it just doesn't look right. But anyways, Sazzy Q, thank you for gifting the cookies. <laughs> Two cookies from Sazzy Q. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. All right. So let's see what this article says from the National File about Mark Fincham blowing Bow Lane oily bohunk out of the water. And it says this. Uh, Mark Fincham, the Trump-endorsed candidate to be Arizona's next Secretary of State, looks poised to blow out uniparty candidate Bo Lane on the eve of the state's GOP primary, with Fincham boasting big leads in the polls as well as the online betting markets, often known to predict race results better than traditional polling data. Trump-endorsed Arizona State a Representative and Election Integrity Hawk Mark Fincham, who helped spearhead the historic Arizona audit, holds a major lead over Doug Ducci-backed Uniparty candidate Bo Lane going into the GOP's primary day. Both men are vying to be Arizona's next Secretary of State, a position currently held by the far-left Democrat Katie Schnobbs. Polls from multiple outfits reflect Fincham's commanding lead over Lane, as well as the rest of the field. The four-person race has mostly whittled down to a two-man contest, with Fincham representing the pro-Trump America First wing of the grassroots GOP, and Lane representing Arizona's notorious uniparty establishment and rhinocerie. Uh, it says here, according to the Arizona Public Opinion Pulse poll, Fincham leads Lane going into Tuesday by a whopping 21 points. That margin is even bigger than the lead Fincham boasted at the start of July, having gained an 18-point advantage over the course of just one month. So it looks good for Mark Fincham. Let's see if they pull a, uh, a Tina Peters on him. Uh, that remains to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. That remains to be seen. But uh, we'll keep our eye out for all of the proceedings. All right, guys. Let's talk about some of these shenanigans. Shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen. Shenanigans. Globalist operative Fox News rears its rhino face again. Not only did they call Arizona early in 2020, ladies and gentlemen, they're just, you know, can we get everyone that was at the uh, Pennsylvania Trump rally to tune in right now, please? Because... <laughs> Come on, people. I am. I will get on my hands and knees and be like, please wake up. Right. OK. You know, we're just at that point. You know, I mean, I get it. You know, you know, I, I, I would turn to Fox News if they had like, I don't know, a really good interview, like say they're interviewing President Trump. But you know what? It appears that they're not even giving Trump any airtime on their station anymore. So what's up with that? Right. Oh, wait, we know what's up with that, y'all. They're globalist operatives meant to fool us. It's like, you know, Fox and CNN, the Democrat and the uh, Republican Party. They're just there to, uh, you know, uh, give us uh, teams to pick and fight with each other and then uh, completely forget that we should be a unified people. Right? Right. Okay. So let's see what uh, I think this is from the Gateway Pundit. Rhino, I'm glad they're calling them rhinos. Rhino, Fox News, and Brian Kilmeade shill for Carrie Lake's opponent, 
claiming she's up 1% in polls. Now, again, there was this, uh, th this thought I had earlier that I did not finish. So let's close the circle, not circle back, but let's close the circle on that thought. And that was this theme that I was seeing was about, uh, you know, uh, uh, ev all of these people, whether they're in uh, the legacy press or whether they're uh, establishments on the Hill, you know, just constantly lying and gaslighting as if though the American people were not savvy to them, as if though we were totally uninformed or we had no information. Like, they don't understand that we are, in most cases, more informed than they are, right? I mean, I could give you a little bit of an example about that later on in the evening, um, but uh, that's not to the chagrin of a candidate I'm supporting. But um, at the same time, it is shameless. You're right, Gateway Pundit. It is shameless. But uh, as it says here, they're claiming that um, Carrie Lake's opponent, uh, Karen Robeson, right, is up 1%. Up 1%. Are they trying to pull a Raffensburger here? Are they trying to pull a Pam Anderson here, right? Do you guys remember Pam Anderson? That was Tina Peters' opponent. The one who did not even uh, go to the GOP convention, the one that the grassroots didn't want, but yet somehow she still won. The one that works for the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a Mark Zuckerberg outfit. You guys know who this is. Goodness me, oh my oh. I apologize. Uh, thank you so much. 123SKG, good evening. It's good to see you. How are you doing tonight? I didn't see you sneak into the room there. And thank you for the cookie. Looks like you guys are getting into a cookie fight. <laughs> Awakened Mom says, did you see that Laura Logan met with a, an election board doxing an election worker with no creds? Entered the server with other... Yes, yes. Actually, actually, Awakened Mom is referring to an election security forum that was held this past weekend. And it's a four-hour event with just an all-star cast of America First heroes and rock stars. I mean, you had Carrie Lake there. You had Sonny Borelli there. Mark Fincham was there. You had a whole bunch of Trump-endorsed candidates. Doug Mastriano made an appearance. Uh, Steve Bannon made an appearance. Christina Caramo made an appearance. Laura Logan was hosting. It, uh, uh, Patrick Byrne um, was, uh, was there also, and he gave a speech. It was a really, I haven't seen all of it, and I'm thinking we'll probably do a watch party for that. The only thing is there's there's some moments where there's some, it's like when I echo, right? When I start echoing, ladies and gentlemen, it's like that, you know, it's like that. There's some moments where there's a lot of echo uh, with the speakers, but it's a really good event. And uh, there was a lot of information uncovered and shared in that forum, including what Awaken Mom was referencing. And that is that uh, the um, uh, the uh, election worker, actually, he was an election worker. He was like a tech guy, okay, um, was found inside the uh, election uh, computer equipment room, right? Right. And uh, basically broke the law. Now, uh, the big whoop on that story, in case y'all didn't know, is that video where they show that guy inside the election, uh, I guess the election processing area for the computers that that story broke some time ago. The big whoop for this story is they put a name to the face. His name is Brian Ramirez. OK, so Brian Ramirez should be behind bars for breaking election laws in Arizona. OK, not only should Brian Ramirez be behind bars for breaking election laws in Arizona, but so should also the woman who gave him her 
pass card to get into the room, okay? Now, you guys remember they threw the book at Tina Peters because they said that she uh, forged some uh, forged some members' cards so that some of her tech guys could, you know, come into uh, uh, the election center, essentially. Well, this is exactly the same thing that happened in Arizona. So if they're going to hold Tina Peters accountable for something that she did not do, then maybe they should hold Brian Ramirez responsible too, right? Thank you for uh, letting us know about that. Um, and, and yes, this Brian Ramirez is the one who is responsible for uh, deleting all of the election data for the 2020 race in Maricopa County, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And that is also a violation of state and federal law, ladies and gentlemen. So awesome. I'm glad you brought that up, um, Awakened Mom, because I'm actually not covering that story tonight. So thank you for interjecting that uh, that uh, insight in tonight's report, because uh, I, I actually am not covering it tonight. And I really wanted to, but there's a lot of stuff to go through, guys. So uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Good catch there. Awakened mom. All right. Sassy Q says Wisconsin rally. I'm in is in my neck of the woods trying to make it working weekends. Ah, well, you know, thank goodness. Election day is on a Tuesday, right? <laughs> oh, Sean Joe railing on. Thank you for the cookies. Awaken Mom says in Maricopa County video and named, yep, deleting the voting files, yep, after the subpoena was issued. Yep, 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 that is all correct. That is all correct. What Awaken Mom said, guys, Brian Ramirez was his name. Indeed, it was Mr. Sean Joe. And uh, Off the Leash, good evening. Welcome into the chat room, Off the Leash. Thank you for gifting the cookie, my friend, and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Make yourself at home. We've got some great friends in the audience tonight. Uh, let's see here. Um, sub pack vet, Mr. C, I always thought the echo was in my head. <laughs> well, you can rest easy tonight, sub pack vet, knowing that the echo was external. Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome guys. You, I cannot thank you guys enough for your generosity tonight, but, uh, don't let me get emotional. Let's keep on going. Okay, so uh, here's the whoop on this, right? Let's get back to this headline. They claim, the legacy media claims that this Carrie Robeson was up 1%. Now, that to me sounds like they're trying to uh, do one of those wrap-up smear campaigns to put a fix in, right? Uh, they're like, if she's up 1%, well, then if she beats Carrie Lake, well, you know, people will be, well, she was up 1%, right? Well, no, that is absolutely false, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Karen Robeson has never been anywhere near the lead that Carrie Lake has over everyone. Carrie Lake's been in the double digits for months, ladies and gentlemen. She has been in the double digits for months, and... Uh, Karen Robeson has been trailing her for quite some time. She can't, she cannot catch up to her. So it is quite astounding that Fox News would put this up. But you know what? It's not astounding, ladies and gentlemen. And you know why? Because this is what a rhino does. They're showing you their face, America. They're showing you who they are. They've been showing us the whole time, but it's instances like this. 
okay? Because if they had any modicum of integrity for truth and honesty, ladies and gentlemen, the producer or the owner or the director or the CEO would be fire Brian Kilmeade because everyone in America knows that Carrie Lake has a double-digit lead over Karen Robeson. So why would you gaslight and lie to the people like that and therefore nix your credibility, right? But, you know, that's not how it works. They're globalist operatives. They're all about doing what it takes to make sure the establishment, the globalists, the deep staters, whatever you want to call them, maintain their power. Shameless anti-Trump hacks strike again. This article comes from the Gateway Pundit. Let's take a look at it. And uh, there you go. There's Brian Kilmeade. And there is uh, Carrie Lake and her opponent, uh, can't catch up Karen Robeson. Now it says here, anti-Trumper Brian Kilmeade and Fox News ran a segment on Monday claiming Carrie Lake is down by one point in Arizona. Carrie Lake is the most attractive Republican candidate in the country today. Carrie is the total package of grit, intelligence, courage, beauty, and charisma. Why? She's got charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Fox News wants her gone. This is who the American people and working class are up against. Do not fool yourself. Now, uh, let's see. We have here, via the storm has arrived, <clears throat> as uh, the Gateway Repundant, the Gateway Repundant, the Gateway Pundit reported on Monday, Fox News sure ain't what it used to be, or what it ever was, really. The New York Times is reporting on Monday that Fox News has not had President Trump on the network for over 100 days. They are hoping to eliminate President Trump as a major player in the coming election cycles. Like the Republican Party, it appears Fox News also hates their base. This should not be news to those who are paying attention, and indeed it's not. This has become more and more apparent every day. Via Newsmask, oh, 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 uh, <sighs> Where there, there's just a little bit of irony in the Gateway pundit using Newsmask to call out Fox News, don't you think? Don't you think there's just a little bit of irony there that they're using Newsmask to call out the? Yeah, there's a little bit of irony in the fact, and a little bit of hypocrisy actually, that Newsmask is actually calling out Fox News. I mean, come on, Newsmask, Newsmask. Aren't you the ones who uh, shut down any speak of election fraud? Aren't you the one that uh, said that uh, you weren't going to talk about anything that happened in 2020? News mask? Yeah, a little bit of irony, a little bit of hypocrisy all around. Uh, but still, it's fun, isn't it? It's pretty fun. So it says here from News Mask, the New York Times is reporting that Fox News has not had Donald Trump on its network in over 100 days. Uh, so uh, almost as long as Joe Biden does not have a press conference, it appears, which the paper said was part of a larger strategy to eliminate the former president, their words, not mine, as a major GOP player. Trump's last appearance on Fox came April 13 on Hannity. And uh, let's see here. That is paid content. Okay. Uh, the Times noted in its report Friday that even Trump has complained his longtime friend does not seem to be paying him much attention anymore. 
The paper said Trump believes Fox's strategy of shunning him is an effort in effectively displacing him from the news cycle and as a de facto leader of the Republican Party. The decision to shun Trump has been made at the highest levels of Fox's parent company and is backed by its billionaire chairman, Rupert Murdoch, and his son, company CEO Lachlan Murdoch. Both are rhinos, but are said to have uh, developed a strong distaste for Trump. Gee, I wonder why the Murdochs don't like Trump. Hmm, go figure, right? Maybe it's because they're all globalist establishment. All right, guys. So it is known, and let it be known, the Arizona primary is an absolute mess. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> everyone is pretty much well aware of this. Oh, 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 Sorry, guys. I got to pause. I got to pause. I got to do this. I got to do this because we were talking about Fox News. We were talking about Fox News and I forgot, guys. What time is it? That's what time it is. That was for you, Relanon, my buddy. All right, guys. So let's talk about some of the mess that's going on in the Arizona primary. And uh, it starts pretty early, guys. It starts pretty early. Um, we had reports of machines not working, of voters being turned away, of people being given phone numbers. Actually, let's just read this article. This is another one coming out of the Gateway Pundit. Because uh, they are pretty uh, fastidious and awesome at covering a lot of this information. It says here in this article from Gateway, When the polls opened this morning, the printers were not working, and some voters were reportedly handed slips of paper with a phone number to call. They were also told to visit a different polling location if they wanted to have their vote counted. Arizona GOP chairwoman Dr. Kelly Ward tweeted about concerns at Desert Hills Community Church in North Phoenix. Uh, Kelly Ward said, well, the incompetence of Maricopa vote has already begun. Printers not working. Voters at Desert Hills Community Church are getting slips of paper with a phone number to call if they have trouble. Being told to drive to Anthem outlets. They don't even have ballots available. This is true voter suppression. They have made it more difficult to vote for election day voters. Kelly Ward reported similar issues across town in Gilbert, Arizona. At least one voter has been told that they already voted. From Kelly Ward, more Maricopa vote incompetence reports, printing problems at the location at Warner and Higley, and one person has already been has already reported that when they tried to vote, the system showed they had already voted, while they have not. And it's only 6.44 a.m. Another location near Gilbert is also seeing these issues. Ward tweets again, more issues for perfect Maricopa vote at polling location on Power Road between Brown and McKellips. Voter reports being one of the first 10 people there and printers were not working. Voters also report that they cannot find where to vote on the Arizona Secretary of State's webpage. 
You know, that's uh, pretty interesting, right? I mean, I got to tell you, San Antonio, they pulled the same thing in San Antonio in the uh, municipal elections and in the bond election, okay? They did not even have on their city webpage that there was even an election going on, okay, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, a precinct judge, if you're wondering why only 7% of our precinct turned out, it's probably because the city of San Antonio did a very bad job at informing the constituents that there was even an election happening, right? Am I right? That's crazy, right? Well, it appears that these tactics are used across the board. So voters cannot find where to vote on the Arizona Secretary of State's webpage. Typing in an address at uh, myarizona.vote under find my polling location gives the following result with no locations found. Yep. County Maricopa Precinct Unknown. This is aside from some of the concerns before Election Day. Despite removing themselves from the early voting list, some voters received a text-confirming ballot receipt or an unsolicited ballot by mail. Patriot Eric Hayes called shady Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer out on Twitter. After a BS response claiming it was just another mistake, Hayes called Richard negligent for not cross-checking to ensure that voter roll information is up to date. Another patriot received an unsolicited ballot by mail, then later received a final notice stating their address is no longer valid. Patriots need to get out and vote and document these issues while voting. Arizona cannot have another stolen election. And here's an update. Dr. Kelly Ward shared the incompetent Secretary of State Katie Hobbs webpage response when looking for polling locations. Pima County elections are a mess. Machines are jamming. Pinal County election machines appear to have been improperly set up. Mojave County is seeing similar problems. Ballot receipts are not being printed for voters and they are getting handwritten receipts instead. Voters are also not showing up on the rolls and are being required to vote provisionally. What the hell is going on here? Felt-tipped pens are now reportedly causing ballots to bleed through, ink to smudge, and votes to change in the primary. Now, what did I tell you guys about those Pentel pens? Did I not tell you that they were going to do just that, ladies and gentlemen? Come on, come on. I use pens, all right? I like nice pens, okay? All right. Uh, It says here also, In Pima County, it was reported that poll workers were illegally trained to give Republican ballots to Democrats and to electioneer in the governor's election. This activity was seized at the voting center, where it was discovered, according to the county's Twitter. But it wasn't until 2 p.m. Dang, ladies and gentlemen. Dang, they did everything possible to uh, snafu this. Actually, you know what? Maybe this isn't a snafu. Maybe this is normal, right? For the Democrats and for the establishment and for rhinos. This is normal. What you talking about? What you talking about? This This ain't no snafu. This is a normal situation. And yeah, some people might think it's pretty messed up. But not the Democrats and not the establishment Republicans, ladies and gentlemen. Ah! Who is that man on the screen? 
It's someone we just referenced. Someone by the name of Maricopa County, Stephen Richer. Uh, you know, he's the man I say is living in denial. As a bald man, I can say, brother, wear your crown with pride and stop that comb over. Okay. All right. Okay. Just thought I'd say that. Now, uh, as the Gateway Pundit reported and as we shared here at the Sea Report, um, we were getting set up for Sharpiegate 2.0. You guys remember we shared the story, I think, on Friday. Uh, where in Maricopa County recorder, Rhino Stephen Richer was basically pleading with people on his Twitter page to just use the damn pen, right? Because uh, uh, Arizona voters, after what happened last year with the Sharpie markers, they were deciding to bring their own blue or black ballpoint pen. And uh, Stephen Richer says, no, 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 Arizona people. Don't bring your own pen. You're going to use my magic Pentel pen, okay? And as I said, these Pentel pens, they are either Pentel marker pens or they are Pentel gel pens. And you remember Stephen Richer says, he says, you can't use that ballpoint pen because it'll leave gunk on the ballot. It'll cause smearing. It'll ruin the machines. And everyone knows that a gel pen is the one that smears and leaves gunk, ladies and gentlemen. And the marker pens bleed through. In fact, the gel pens can bleed through also. But Stephen Richard was like, no, 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 no. Why would we do anything to try and botch? It's just a primary. Why would anyone want to steal a primary? That's basically what his, uh, his train of thought was, ladies and gentlemen. That's what his train of thought was. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have it confirmed that uh, Stephen Richard basically set up Sharpiegate 2.0. Hey, Vanguard360. Good to see you in the audience. Thank you for gifting the cookie, Relanon. Thank you for uh, double backing on that cookie. Shanjo says, Mr. C, looks like Schmidt is going to beat Greitens in Missouri. In fact, after this story, we'll take a look at the election numbers. Thank you for that reminder. I mean, you know, thank you so much. And uh, we'll take a look to see where everything is going. Shanjo and Relanon still tossing their cookies. I appreciate you, sir. And uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get to Sharpiegate 2.0. It is confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. There is bleed through with uh, Recorder Richards' Pentel pens, ladies and gentlemen. Let's check this story out. It says here, I believe the story is from Jordan Conradson of the Gateway Pundit. Sharpiegate update: Reported felt tip pens forced onto voters are bleeding through ballots and causing ink streaks that are reportedly changing votes. Poll worker says probably 10 to 15 percent of ballots are smearing. I mean, you know, here in the state of Texas, they want us to use a pencil. And I'm like, why? So you can erase my signature? Why? So you can erase my signature? And I was like, I brought my own pen, right? One lady tried to fight with me one time, but a marker? And it's crazy, guys. It is just crazy. You know, but you know, uh, we we use the uh, we use the what the ESNS machines here. We don't have paper ballots in Texas. So uh, let's w let's read this article here. Let's get some insight now. Here is the official voter pen. <laughs> oh my goodness! So uh, recorder Richard really went out of his way to put an official name on this pen. You see, it's the official voter pen, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's the official voter pen. No other pen can be used, but the official, if it doesn't say official voter pen on it, this is just like, this is like something out of like, I don't know, like something out of a, a farce or a parody or a comedy or something like that. Like, uh, let, let's do an updated version of like, uh, I always forget the name of that, uh, that, uh, that, um, that, uh, British show, right? What is the one with the, where they run around and they pretend to be, uh, you know, uh, Camelot and, uh. I always forget the name of that. Anyways, okay, so yeah, this is like, this is like too good for comedy, ladies and gentlemen, too good for comedy. It is almost obnoxious, okay, that they actually have a pen that is called the official voter pen. <laughs> so you can't use any other pen, ladies and gentlemen. You have to use the official voter pen, okay? I'd be like, I'm using my pen. You want to fight me? I mean, not really, but you want to, <laughs> you want to try me? Okay, let's see what this article says. Oh my goodness. The felt tip pens that Maricopa County is strongly pushing voters to use on election day in Arizona are bleeding through the ballots and reportedly causing votes to change. The Gateway Pundit has already confirmed that the Sharpies are bleeding through ballots in an early report by Brian Lupo. As we previously reported, Maricopa County gave shady and confusing instructions regarding pens at the polls. The county began pushing voters to use Pentel felt tip pens on election day after previously telling voters any black or blue pen would suffice. They claimed that ballpoint pens would smear and gum up the machines and Sharpies cause bleed through, as proven by the Maricopa County full forensic audit. However, this confused everyone in the state. Why does it matter what pen we use? Why did it matter in 2020? Why can't the tabulation equipment read a non-bleed ballpoint pen? One voter asking for an answer just wanted a yes or no as to whether or not he could use a ballpoint pen. Local 12 News crank Brahm Resnick could not even give him a straight answer. He responded by saying, A county election official says Pentel pens are fast drying with low bleed through. No, we need no bleed through, my friend. Anyways, this Resnick person continues, uh, a pen that won't gum up ballot counting machines when ballot inserted. They're preferred over ballpoint ink that might smear. It is ironic that this reporter says ballpoint pens will smear because that is precisely what is happening to voters who use the felt tip pens. Some are even reporting vote changes. Arizona... GOP chairwoman Dr. Kelly Ward shared that people are having issues with pens falling apart, leaving felt on their ballots and also smearing. People at Red Mountain Community College complaining about the felt tip pens say they are coming apart and leaving felt and then when the ballot is run through the machine, it smears. One guy said he had to vote three times before the machine would accept his ballot. Kelly Ward also retweeted a post by one patriot saying, just voted and they forced a felt tip pen on me. When feeding it in, the ink streaked and indicated I vote for a candidate I did not vote for. Had to spoil the ballot and redo it. 
GOP National Committeeman Tyler Boy Bowyer also shared a message he received from a poll volunteer at 12.04 p.m. on Election Day. Please read below from a poll worker on the marker issue at polling places in Maricopa County. I cannot believe we are still dealing with this absolute incompetency after 2020. But here we are. The message read, I'm a poll worker today. We've had several ballots come through with the markers that got smeared in the machine, probably 10 to 15% right now. We got them all except one to work by spinning them around and trying different angles. Some take three to four tries. If you can tell people to fan their ballots for a bit before taking them to a machine and be careful about dragging their marker accidentally when going down the ballot. Let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if Stephen Richer is uh, fashioning a comb over now, by the end of this, he's going to be balder than me. Okay. All right. And there's that message from the poll worker. Um, it says here, all voters can document election irregularities with the Votify Now app. And remember, you can use your own pen to vote in any polling location. Changing the label on a pen and putting official voter pen does not make it so. Shame on Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer. I tell you what, you know, to be... A county recorder, you know, which is, you know, the, the, the person responsible for the elections in the county, right? Okay. And to not know that, and this is, this is worse than gross negligence, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I would say, based on what they experienced in 2020 and what's happening now, all at the behest of, you know, recorder Richer, that proves intent ladies and gentlemen, but that's just me speaking, you know, you know, guys, I go hard on that. But uh, let's take a moment to pause real quick so we can check out the current polling uh, numbers for tonight's primary. And to do that, we're going to pull up the Epoch Times, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, while that page is getting set up, let's see what you guys got going on in the chat room. Thank you guys again for all of the gold pill donations coming in this evening. I very much so appreciate it from my heart to yours. Thank you so much. Sazzy Q says, shut off all cable and news. Uh, new, news years ago, got a clue back then. Absolutely. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Oh, and actually, I need to actually uh, refresh this page too. Okay, there we go. That's working. That's working, guys. Bring your own pen and take a pic of your ballot and track it. I take my own pen. The lady was like, here's this pencil. I was like, it's okay. I brought a pen. And she was like, no. Nah. And then her uh, co-election worker was like, it's okay. He can use a pen. I was like, damn toot. And I'm going to use my pen. You think I'm going to let you erase my, erase my uh, signature and then thereby uh, invalidate my vote? <laughs> I don't think so. You're not talking to someone who was born just this morning. The rhino emoji is too cute for the swamp variety. <laughs> That's true, 123SKG. It's true. Um, let's see here. What else do we got coming? Yes, dang, the stupidity is beyond me. Disco Ball Chaser, good evening, and thanks for dropping the links in the chat. Yes, Monty Python. I could never remember the name of Monty Python. It's probably because I was never a fan when I was in high school. Things may have changed since then. 
Uh, let's see what else you guys got going on here. Awakened Mom says, they did that in 2020. How much did that cost? I know. How much did it cost the taxpayers to get engraved uh, official uh, um, voting pens <laughs> inscribed on the pen, right? You know, they, they know how to waste that money. That's for dang sure. They know how to waste that money and cheat and cheat. Subpack Vet says, I should build some pens that use black water. No more Sharpie Gate. Welcome to she. <laughs> I thought that was gray water. Anyways, okay. <laughs> too funny, too funny. Okay, let's take a look at some of the election day results, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here we go. And let's take this off the screen as well. Okay, so with a, uh, with a hard reset here, or refresh, I should say. Uh, Arizona numbers still have not come in just yet, but let's take a look at, uh, yeah, still have not come in just yet. Uh, Arizona, Arizona, nada, 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 para Arizona. Michigan. All right, is Michigan, where are they at? They're at oh, only an estimated 9%. Jeez Louise, okay. 12% over here in the uh, Republican primary for District 1. Governor, of course, wretched Gretchen Whitmer is going to run unopposed, right? At uh, 24%, really, like you really need the rest of the night to figure. Okay, I guess they're being, they're being accurate, right? Uh, Tudor Dixon is at 40. Oh, her lead dropped, it looks like. Her lead dropped. She was at what, 47% before? So now she is at 40.48%. Um, okay, she's still in the lead. She's still got a 20-point lead over Kevin Rinke. And Garrett Saldano is actually catching up at 19.33%. Hmm, very interesting. I guess we'll have to see. This is 28% of the vote being counted for the governor Republican primary, as we can see here, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very interesting that. Let's look at Kansas. We'll skip the Democrats. We'll go straight to the Republican parties. Jerry Moran appears to be obviously at 77.45%. Now, I don't know much about these candidates. I didn't, I didn't do my homework on them, on those two specifically. Uh, Tracy Mann was going to win it either way. <clears throat> Let's see here. And uh, Derek Schmidt is the presumptive winner for uh, governor of Kansas. Okay, Derek Schmidt. Let's move on to Missouri. And Missouri U.S. Senate Republican primary looks like Eric Schmidt has taken. A, I guess everyone thought that Trump was endorsing Eric Schmidt. <laughs> uh, what What do you guys think about that? Like, do y'all have a personal opinion on President Trump doing that Eric vote? Do you think that maybe President Trump sees in Eric Greitens what I see? <laughs> He's like, that guy's got a crazy smile. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, Greitens is at 19.40% or 19.4%. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless Eric Greitens gets a over-the-night massive ballot dump, it don't look too good for Eric Greitens. But what if that did happen, ladies and gentlemen? What if we wake up tomorrow and Eric Greitens is the winner of this U.S. Senate race? Hmm. Probably that's not going to happen, obviously, but it's uh, it's it, it, it was fun to entertain for but a few seconds. Okay, uh, let's see what else we got on the board here. 
skipping over those um, Democrats. Missouri U.S. House Republican Primary District 1, Andrew Jones, 40.29%. 31.82%. The next behind, 27.89% right after that. And Washington will not be reporting just yet. <clears throat> they will come in a little bit later in the evening. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. Too much fun, too much fun in the sun. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts, and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. Uh, and uh, let's see, we still got some stories to tell. You know, I might just be up here till Arizona reports, but we'll see. If I run out of stories first, then uh, probably not. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a go at it, guys. We will keep a go at it. Uh, now let me go ahead and uh, let's shrink this one down to size. We'll bring this baby back up. Boom. Okay, guys, let's head back into some more election stories. Oh, septic water is gray. No, black. Oh wait, black water is septic. Gray water is showers and sinks. Ah, good to know. Good to know. Sometimes it's a little yellow in there too, isn't it? Okay, what's next? Ah, you guys know who that is. You guys know who this is, right? You guys have seen this face before. We have not done a story on this man in quite some time. Didn't think I was going to do it again, but this is Arizona Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni, ladies and gentlemen. Arizona Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni. And uh, just like Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes of Michigan, just like Jocelyn Benson, Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni is warning election challengers that they will face arrest if they get involved with meddling into their process. Well, you know, it's their process, but they consider it to be election interference. Well, you know, for a more clear view on whether uh, or not I sum that up correctly, let's take a look at this article. Uh, this is coming from KTAR Arizona. And uh, it says here, headline reads, uh, Justice Department names Arizona elections officer for voter issues on primary day. Okay? So you might be like, well, what's that have to do with Sheriff Penzoni the Jabroni? Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's find out. It says here, the Justice Department has assigned a federal prosecutor to respond to potential voting rights complaints and violations in Arizona for Tuesday's primary election. Assistant U.S. Attorney Sean Loki. 
right? That's a pretty fitting name, right? Sean Loki will serve as the election officer for the Federal Bureau's Arizona District in Phoenix. He will also consult with the Justice Department on any instances of election fraud and voter intimidation, the agency said. This is the first time we've done this before the primary election, U.S. Attorney Gary Restaino told KTAR News 92.3 FM on Friday. Just to try and set the tone that the federal government is partnering with state and local officials. I don't like the sound of that, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like the sound of that because uh, the federal government has nothing to do with state elections. Federal government has nothing to do with elections, period, ladies and gentlemen. The federal government has nothing to do with elections, period, right? You remember what they told uh, little Merrick Garland when he's like, we're going to go into Arizona and seize the ballots. They were like, come and take them, Merrick Garland. Come and take them, right? We dare you. Send in the feds. Try and stop this audit. Anyways, uh, that's a little bit besides the point, but here we go. Uh, it says here, Loki will be available by phone on Tuesday. At uh, What's the point, right? Anyways, federal law protects against such crimes as intimidating or bribing voters. Oh, I see. I see. It's all about election law. It's all about uh, voter suppression, right? Federal law protects, actually, it is a civil right. Okay, I get it. I get it. But you know what? They've been impeding on our civil rights as far as voting goes this entire time, right? Why don't they uh, sick the feds on, uh, on these people, right? Anyways, federal law protects against such crimes as intimidating or bribing voters, buying and selling votes, impersonating voters, altering vote tallies, stuffing ballot boxes, and marking ballots for voters against their wishes. Ladies and gentlemen... We just did we just read a list of everything that they did in 2020 and what they're doing now in 2022. By they, of course, I mean the establishment, the uniparty, Republican, Democrat, deep state, globalist influence, paid and bought, whatever you want to call them. That list is exactly what they've already done, okay? <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, maybe not so much on the bri bribing of the voters, but we have covered plenty of stories where voters were bribed. You know, there was a huge one that happened here in San Antonio that was uh, that was um, uh, th that story was broke by or broken, not broke. Uh, that story was uh, Veritas, Project Veritas broke that story. Syntax, right? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so Project Veritas broke that story here in San Antonio. But yeah, that's uh, that's quite funny. That's a, another little bit of irony and uh, and um, uh, uh, hypocrisy, ladies and gentlemen, for you coming from the legacy press. The department said that anyone questioning, challenging, photographing, or recording at polling places under the pretext that they're uncovering illegal voting, they're uncovering illegal voting, may violate federal voting rights law. You see that anyone questioning, challenging photographing or recording at polling places under the pretext that they are uncovering illegal voting may violate federal voting rights law. Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzoni, the jabroni, told KTAR News 92.3 FM's Arizona's Morning News in early June that his office would have zero tolerance for voting day disruptors and that plainclothes deputies will be checking polling places. 
The FBI said special agents from the Phoenix office will also be taking reports on Election Day abuses. And they want to hear from you. You know what? You know what? The voters should have been calling them over the vote smears with the pens, right? They should have been calling them over the machines jamming. They should have been calling them because their names were already said that they voted, right? That's what they should have been doing. They should have been calling them then and see how they feel about that, right? When the ball goes into their court. Uh, but yeah, you know, again, uh, uh, the utter hypocrisy. What is this? Who is that? What are you doing? Where did this come from? What is this? What is going on here? Sorry, guys. I don't know what, what this window is. Let me, uh, what is Lifetime Windows wants to know my look. Who is Lifetime Windows? I must have clicked on an ad. Okay. Anyways, someone clicked on an ad for me, guys. It's the gremlin in the machine. Okay. All right. So, uh, getting back into the report, I guess maybe the gremlin was like, you talk too much, Mr. C. And now everything is vanished. What is the gremlin doing now? There we go. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. Shanjo Relanon, thank you for the cookies yet again, my friends. Thank you so much for that. Jabroni, that's right. That is definitely true. Aurelius Locke says, Michigan, Meyer and Gibbs tied. John James, 91% for U.S. House District. I did not see that. Did we? Uh, is it not reporting? Okay, hold on, guys. Hold on. Hold on one hot second. I just realized Michigan is not on this. I thought it was on the list. No, it is on the list. See, where is the John Gibbs? Because I'm watching that one as well, ladies and gentlemen. I am definitely watching that one. But why didn't I see it? Did I skip it? Hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. No, they don't have that race on the map. Thank you, Aurelius Locke. We're actually going to be talking about Peter Meyer and John Gibbs in just a sec. Okay, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Uh, it makes me wonder how many other races I'm missing right now because I trusted Epoch Times. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I pay for your subscription. I might as well use you on, on the show tonight. So uh, anyways, okay, so here we go. All right, guys, let's move into our next story. We're almost done with Pen uh, with uh, Arizona, guys. We're almost done with Arizona. Then we're going to do Michigan, and we're going to call it a night. Okay, guys. Now, some of you guys might recognize this man as Attorney General Brnovich. And some of you guys might not recognize this man. Oh, goodness. Le here, le let, me, let me go ahead and... There you go. There's the A.G. Brnovich everyone knows. There's the sleeping bear of Arizona that did nothing for anybody ever. <laughs> well, I say that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll consider the other side of the coin here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But it seems that Attorney General Brnovich, who is uh, probably sorely going to lose his uh, Senate bid, ladies and gentlemen, because he did nothing for no one in Arizona in regards to uh, election fraud and the forensic audit. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it appears that uh, he has uh, turned in a uh, brief report, a summary, if you will, to Senate President Karen Fan in regards to the allegations of widespread deceased voters voting in the 2020 election. And their assessment of those allegations is that it's insufficient and uh, it's probably kind of a one-off situation. 
So, you know, I don't know what's going on here with AG. Maybe he's just like, well, you know what? If I'm not going to win, I might as well just sink the ship, ladies and gentlemen. I might as well just sink the ship and see if you like it, right? <laughs> well, you know, you might think you're hurting us, AG Brnovich, but uh, if our liberty goes, so does yours, my friend. So yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering what his strategy will be for this next, you know, I mean, granted, this is just a very, well, I shouldn't say a small portion that diminishes the importance of what the findings were, but it is just but one part of um, several, a multifaceted, multi-part, um, you know, a, a machine of election fraud that was given to him in the report of the Maricopa County full forensic audit, except of course for the routers and the election data, because that was erased by Brian Ramirez, right? And uh, Sheriff Penzoni said, well, all of my good porn is on those routers, even if routers don't store information, right? I mean, well, what else are we supposed to believe, right? I mean, what are they trying to protect? Social security numbers don't get stored in a router. Routers don't store information. They transfer it. Everyone understands this, but yet somehow Maricopa County still got away with it, right? Insane, ladies and gentlemen, insane. So, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that uh, this is the report from um, um, the newest release from... Um, uh, A.G. Bernovich. Let's go ahead and take a look at it, guys. Let's see what uh, good old Bernovich had to say about it. What did good old Bernovich have to say? This is his letter here, uh, dated August 1st. He's like, I'm just going to totally jump off the cliff the day before the uh, primaries. To the Honorable Rhino Karen Fan, re- Status of deceased voter allegations, November 3rd, 2020 general election. He says, Dear President Fan, on April 6, 2022, I forwarded my first report responding to complaints received by our office from the Arizona State Senate and numerous other concerned individuals alleging election failures and potential misconduct that may have occurred in 2020. We concluded that the 2020 election in Maricopa County revealed certain vulnerabilities that should be addressed. As noted in the report, the work of the Attorney General's Election Integrity Unit remains ongoing. This letter serves as notice that we have now concluded our criminal investigation related to deceased voter allegations. Specifically, we received numerous complaints regarding allegations of dead voters during the 2020 elections, including those presented to us by you on September 24th, 2021, following the completion of the Cyber Ninjas audit. This specific complaint alleged that 282 individuals who were deceased prior to October 5th, 2020, voted in the November 3rd, 2020 general election. After spending hundreds of hours reviewing these allegations, our investigators were able to determine that only one of the 282 individuals on the list was deceased at the time of the election. All other persons listed as deceased were found to be current voters. Our agents investigated all individuals that Cyber Ninjas reported as dead and many were very surprised to learn that they were allegedly deceased. 
In addition, we received dead voter reports from other sources that were also reviewed. Three reports were submitted to the EIU Elections Integrity Unit that combined alleged uh, combined alleged 409 dead voters. One additional report making no distinction between dead voters and dead registrants included 5,943 registrations. Once again, these claims were thoroughly investigated and resulted in a handful of potential cases. Some were so absurd the names and birth dates did not even match the deceased, and others included dates of death after the election. While our office has successfully prosecuted other instances of dead voters, these cases were ultimately determined to be isolated instances. We supported the Arizona Senate's ability to conduct an audit of Maricopa County's elections and understand the importance of reviewing the results. However, the allegations of widespread deceased voters from the Senate audit and other complaints received by the Elections Integrity Unit are insufficient and not corroborated. Now, you know, guys, uh, the man could be doing his job there. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe someone did something or you know, human error or, you know, may, maybe they had, maybe they had a snake in the midst working in the Maricopa County audits. But you know what? Those cyber ninjas and all of them guys, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what way to go with Bernovich. I, I mean, I could tell you guys day one, he was referred to as the sleeping bear, the hibernating um, attorney general. Hibernating Bernovich, right, is how he was referred to at the Sea Report on day one. And, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess the future proves the past. Or does it? I don't know, guys. I will leave that up to your decision. One of our dearest viewers over at the foxhole.app actually did send me a very compelling article about Attorney General Brnovich. And I would like to share that with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, so that you can decide for yourself. Is A.G. Brnovich a sleeping patriot white hat? Or is he just a damn dirty rhino, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it'll be up for you to decide tonight, guys. Let's take a look at this article. The article is entitled, Arizona A.G. Bernovich, Nation's Top Election Fraud Attorney. Okay. Well, I mean, being an attorney in regards to election fraud is totally different than being an attorney who's investigating an election audit, if you want to distinguish a technicality there. But let's see what this article has to say. It says here, there's a strange twilight zone situation taking place in Arizona, where former President Donald Trump has decided to endorse a train wreck candidate for U.S. Senate to take on Senator Mark Kelly instead of the candidate with one of the most solid conservative records the state has ever known. Attorney Blake Masters, who is funded by four out-of-state billionaires, has zero record in politics other than previous evidence he was a radical pro-choice libertarian. And even though many candidates are getting involved in election integrity lawsuits, he has not bothered to join even one. 
Instead, he sits around all day pitching himself to get on TV, where he wears far too much foundation, I might add, ladies and gentlemen. And he calls Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who has been endorsed by Mark Levin and Sean Hannity. Again, this is not a good case <laughs> uh, for Burnovich. If he's getting endorsed by globalist operative establishment, uh, you know, counterparts, right? Like Sean Hannity. But uh, nevertheless, the article does state that uh, Blake Masters refers to Arizona Attorney General Burnovich as a do-nothing rhino. This could not be further from the truth. Burnovich has sued the Biden administration probably more than any other elected official, constantly leading coalitions of states in lawsuits over COVID-19, border security, environmental restrictions, and more. Burnovich has a winning Supreme Court election integrity case named after him, Burnovich v. DNC, for inserting himself into a lawsuit where he was not even involved, defending two Arizona laws. When the DNC sued Arizona over its bans on ballot harvesting and voting outside your precinct, Radical Democrat Secretary of State, or <clears throat> Secretary of Snakes, Katie Hobbs, I mean Katie Schnobbs, refused to defend the lawsuit, so Burnovich stepped in instead. Politicians and websites thirsty for clicks talk big about prosecuting renegade election officials, but they forget that in order to maneuver the left-wing dominated legal system, they have to be ridiculously careful. As a result, many of the lawyers involved with exposing fraud in the 2020 presidential elections are being unfairly disbarred or prosecuted for flimsy reasons, things that would be ignored otherwise if they did not involve Trump. This has left progressives gloating ad nauseum that no court has found any evidence of voter fraud, but Brnovich has quietly been working behind the scenes, barely dodging 12-bar complaints from Hobbs over his election integrity efforts. He's a rare breed of conservative lawyer who's figured out how to go after election fraud without getting disbarred. Much of the accusations from Masters' millions come down to a single accusation, that Brnovich said there was no election fraud immediately after the 2020 election. But that was taken out of context. He merely said he had not personally seen it yet. All of his efforts since then show he's worked doggedly, but wisely, to combat the fraud. Brnovich went to court and successfully stopped Democrat Maricopa County recorder Adrian Fontes from illegally mailing thousands of ballots to voters in 2020 who did not request them. He intervened and prevented the illegal curing of ballots with no signatures. He issued a cease and desist letter to a ballot harvesting operation. After the election, <coughs> excuse me, Brnovich told the Maricopa County supervisors, <coughs> to increase the number of ballots counted by hand from 2% to 5%, but they have refused. Schnobbs, I mean Hobbs, demanded that Brnovich shut down the audit, but he did not. He forced the Maricopa County supervisors to turn over materials, materials they were withholding from the audit, threatening to withhold their funding, and filed a brief defending the audit. He went after DHS Chief Alejandro Mayorkas for trying to interfere with Arizona's election integrity efforts. 
I could have sworn it was uh, Merrick Garland. Anyways, or Gar- yeah, Merrick Garland. Anyways, anyways, that, that's that's just minutia, right? He's prosecuted countless people for voter fraud, including a Democrat operative involved in ballot harvesting, who is likely fe- likely the one featured in the 2000 Mules documentary. Brnovich is still investigating the results of the audit, releasing a preliminary interim report in April, which found that 100,000 to 200,000 ballots lacked a chain of custody, which, in my opinion, is enough reason to uh, nullify the results. But that's just me speaking. He slammed Maricopa County officials' response to his report while appearing on Steve Bannon's war room for dismissing accusations of using AI to verify voter signatures on ballot envelopes. He issued a report recommending election changes. He's done too much to list here, including going after petition circulators. And there's more in the works. He's leading a coalition of states to defend North Carolina's voter ID law and backing a Georgia law in court. Brnovich sued Hobbs over her failure to provide a lawful state election procedures manual. Hobbs refuses to include provisions prohibiting unstaffed drop boxes, requiring signature verification for non-mailed early ballots, and preserving the requirement that voters vote in their precinct. He's asked for a criminal investigation into Hobbs. In contrast, Masters has done so many offensive things that he will be destroyed in the general election by Kelly, who's on track to raise another $100 million like he did last election. Since my original train wreck article about Masters was published, it's been revealed that the candidate did uh, the candidate some call Richie Rich, a gated community libertarian who's going to say anything to get elected, made a rap video wearing Native American war paint. Between that and his other makaka moment, declaring that blacks are responsible for gun deaths and his uh, disturbing ties to the authoritarian neo-reactionary movement, he has no chance of winning over the moderate swing voters necessary to beat Kelly. He's so desperate that many of his claims about Brnovich's inaction on election integrity are flat-out lies. Longtime DC-based conservative writer Quinn Hillier wrote an article earlier this month titled Trump Endorses Strange Arizona Man Over Make America Great Again Star. Expressing his bewilderment over the master's endorsement, Trump has made several other endorsements that have frustrated the conservative base, including J.D. Vance in Ohio and Dr. Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania and Chief Joe Lombardo in Nevada. Sorry, Sheriff. At Trump's rally in Arizona Friday night, the audience booed when he announced his endorsement of Eli Crane in the state's second congressional district. Brnovich is the only candidate poll is the only candidate poll show who comes within two percentage points of Kelly. If Masters wins, political experts say it will be a repeat of the Martha McSally disaster. After McSally, a terrible candidate who turned off the base, lost the U.S. Senate race to Democrat Kristen Sinema. Uh, Governor Doug Ducey appointed her to the other seat to replace John McCain. As expected, when it came time for the election in 2020, she lost to Kelly. 
The writer of this article was an assistant attorney general for the Arizona Attorney General's office in 2000 to 2003 when she and Mark Burnovich were both line attorneys. So I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, the question of the Burnovich conundrum. I will leave it in your hands to decide. But if we're kind of wargaming or trajectorizing the path of Burnovich's political career, what happens next? Because he was running in the U.S. Senate race. He is no longer going to be the attorney general of Arizona. And in his um, interview with Steve Bannon, he pretty much inferred that he was kicking the can down the road for the next AG to, um, I, I guess, either finish the investigation or to act on whatever his investigation found in regards to the election fraud and the discrepancies that were reported and documented in the Arizona full forensic audit. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is another promised position to Burnovich. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I, I could not to trajectorize that far into the future, at least in regards to Burnovich, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but it, it's been my, it's been my, um, it's been my contention that Burnovich is a hibernating Burnovich, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I also wonder if his nunchucks was not just him mocking the cyber ninjas. <laughs> but you know what? That remains to be seen, ladies and gentlemen. But I think what we can say for tonight, for sure and clearly, is that Brnovich is probably not going to win this race. And if he does, well, good for him, right? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think that about wraps. Uh, what are you doing on the screen here? Are we jumping ahead? Oh, we are jumping ahead here, aren't we? Oh, no, we're not. Where is my Michigan? There's my Michigan. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My graphic. This guy got ahead of Michigan. Okay. L actually, he's not even supposed to be. His story's not even next. Okay, hold on, guys. Let me let me adjust this real quick. I don't know if any of you all recognize who that was that popped up on the screen there. But his is the final story for tonight, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we'll get along and get along. Hey, Two Rivers, what's going on? Good to see you in the audience tonight, friend. Glad you could join us. Um... Where did that article go? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Spaghetti-o. Looks like I lost my article. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, don't worry. We'll get that covered in the interim, ladies and gentlemen. For now, let's talk Michigan. We're almost at the close of our show tonight. We're getting very close to the end, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, since we're jumping into Michigan, let's take a look at the latest poll numbers. And I'll bring that on the screen for you guys. Let's go ahead and refresh this little ticker here. All right. Let's see what we got going on. Shame we didn't have Ohio on this list. Shame we don't have the Gibbs-Myers race. I need to uh, locate that. Or, you know, if someone could pass me a link to the election results for that race and maybe for Ohio as well, that would be awesome. Oh, okay, okay. Numbers are coming in for Arizona, it looks like. Let's take a gander. Oh, I already got it on the screen for you guys. Okay. Boo. 
There we go. All right, numbers are coming in for Arizona. All right, looks like we have Blake Masters in a lead in the state of Arizona. Uh, the man who can teach anyone how to put on too much foundation, right? He's a 37.37%, but this is, oh my goodness, this is only one county reporting 281 votes. Okay, so the night is still young, ladies and gentlemen. The night is still young. Uh, we have Blake Masters at 37.37%, Jim Lehman at 29.18%, and Brnovich at 21.71%. What can I say? At least he's not uh, at the bottom of the, the um, race there. Michael McGuire, retired, I think he's a retired, uh, retired military. He's the one who burned Brnovich pretty bad during their debate. Anyhow. Let's see what else we got going on here. Uh, Republican primary, Arizona House District 1, Josh Barnett. Okay, numbers have not come in for that yet. Uh, governor's race for the Democrats. Katie Schnobbs, is, of course, she's in the lead. And Carrie Lake at 50.87%. Karen Robeson at 36.33%. And this is with less than 1% reporting. 289 votes, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else is trailing pretty far behind. Both the candidates, very interesting. So that's how uh, Michigan, I mean, sorry, that's how Arizona is shaping up. You know what? I need to see also Mark Fincham's race. Okay, let me just, let me just, let me, let me see if you guys threw it in the, uh, thank you for the cookies, brothers. Much appreciated. I'm going to be all diabetes up tonight. Gibbs is ahead of Myers. That's awesome. Okay, I'm just going to pull another one up here, guys, because I we're missing on we're missing out on a lot of other races that I guess the Epoch Times, you know, the same outfit that does puff pieces for General Vallely. I mean, I'm sorry, General Vallely. Yeah, they do puff pieces for General Valley. What's up with that is kind of what I'm wondering, Epoch Times. Don't you know how to do your homework? Okay, uh, Arizona election results. Okay, 2022. All right. Uh, is Ballotpedia good to use for that? I don't know. Or do they just do the overall results after, right? They probably do it that way, don't they? It's Ballotpedia. What am I thinking? Mr. C, what are you thinking? Okay. Let's go ahead and leave out of that one. Um, let's see. Who should we go to to look for all these things? The New Yorker? <laughs> Fox 10 Phoenix? The Washington Compost? CNN? Yeah. Right. Mm. Hmm. Let's just go with the Arizona Daily News. From the Arizona Republic, another legacy press, a legacy press outlet. Okay, do we have live results here? Live results. Aha, uh -huh. look at that. Pinal County voting site opening delayed, 2 p.m. Man, that's quite a delay if it's supposed to open at 6 a.m., right? Quite a delay. I don't see any results. 
They've, oh, well, these guys are reporting whatever's going on in the state, it looks like. Tucson voters head to polls focused on economy. Okay, it's just a whole bunch of little stories here. It's not, you know, you failed me, uh, Arizona, the Arizona Daily News. Okay, well, it does say here live poll. What's this? Live poll. No, oh, I mean, I, oh, never mind. <laughs> That's for them. Take a poll, ladies and gentlemen. Take a poll. Okay, let's pop out of here. Thanks again for hanging out tonight, ladies and gentlemen, over here at the Sea Report. It's been absolutely riveting. I hope you guys are enjoying your time and your uh, inf uh, election information coming uh, to you guys here tonight. Oh, uh, ooh, let's see this one. 538. Ooh, we should do real clear politics. Oh, wait, that's for Arizona governor. Never mind. I want to see the whole banana. I like real clear politics. But this is just the governor's race. Okay. 47.8. Oh, you know what? Those are polls. Never mind. Okay. We'll get it straight here, guys. Don't you worry. Oh, look at There it is. Ladies, no, those are polls. Polls, polls, polls. I need results, ladies and gentlemen, not polls. Okay. Take a poll. Take a poll. Mm, these uh, these uh, websites are pretty convoluted. I guess I should have just gone with the establishment presses, right? Hey, what's going on, Yavapai Michael? How's it going? Tell us your experience voting for Carrie Lake today, Yavapai Michael. Did your uh, official uh, voting pen bleed? <laughs> I am so curious to know. Two River says, the Epoch Times, I have complained about some of their naive and questionable reporters out of New York. Yeah, you know, they have had some uh, some questionable stories over, you know, like, you know, for example, just for example, uh, they actually did cover election integrity issues quite a bit in... Um, in at the Epoch Times up until about January 2021 when they were getting their butts sued, you know? Um, but, and that's not a but, but guys, but they, after that, they basically stopped, you know, reporting. And um, it's a shame. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you have a business to run and you can't prove the fraud. Oh, wait, that's what I want. Okay. All right. I apologize, guys. I'm just, you know, I want to see some of these other races. I didn't realize when I chose Epoch Times that they were missing so many. Okay. So uh, let's see what we got here. Let's see what we got here. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, hopefully this page will be efficient and uh, good for us, proficient for us. Okay. This might be it. All right. Let's get her on the screen. Uh-oh. Spaghetti-o. They're like, it's 10 o'clock, Mr. C. It's time for you to get off the air over at uh, the foxhole.app. <laughs> they killed my uh, feed over at uh, Foxhole. All right. Good job, y'all. Good job. Okay. Man. All right. Hopefully, uh, the, hopefully the peeps over at the Foxhole get that fixed. Okay, so uh, let's take a look here. Governor, 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 governor. They have not even had, they don't even have Arizona reporting. Jeez Louise, what's up with that, ladies and gentlemen? Politico does not even have any reporting for Arizona. 
Okay, let's see about Michigan. Oh, is it, uh, it, am I still broadcasting over where you're at, Sean Joe? Give me a five by five if I am. Because over here on my computer, I'm dead. But, you know, I'm still going to keep going. So, okay, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, you know what? I'm also probably at the bottom of the list, which is totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're still live. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome for a minute. I mean, it's it was cutting me off pretty hard. Excellent. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I love you all. And uh, hey, they took care of it pretty quick over there. I told you they're pretty good over there at the foxhole.app. All right. Uh, never mind the presumptuous host, right? That gets a little prima donna every now and then. Okay. So, um, okay. You know what? Awesome. Thank you, Disco Ball Chaser. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you, Casual. Hey, Casual Gigi. Thank you so much. Um, Arizona Red 63 reports, it went well at our voting location. Pens worked and no permanent markers were given out. Very good. Glad to hear it, Yavapai. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> glad to hear. It. Okay, let me, uh, okay, you guys are probably like, why are we looking at a search page? Okay, well, we'll, we'll get this figured out, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get this figured out. But uh, there's a lot of races I want to see here. Oh, look at now they're reporting. There we go. It just took a minute to populate. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, guys. Brace yourselves. Um, let's see here. Check this out, guys. Look at what Politico is reporting. Look at what Politico is reporting. Check that out, y'all. Check that out. Politico has Karen Robeson with a 10% lead. That's a flip, y'all. That is a flip because that is exactly the opposite of what we're seeing over at the Epoch Times. Check it out. Oh my goodness. Look at this. Epoch Times, Karen Robeson, 36.33%. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, it just flipped right in front of my eye. Okay, well, you know, obviously that was at 1% reporting, right? Wow, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like they're going to take Arizona. Oh goodness. Okay. Oh goodness. Okay. Where's Maricopa? Where's Mar? That's Cocino, Coconino, Yavapai has not had their numbers put in. Maricopa, 50.36% for Karen Robeson. I don't believe it. I do not believe it, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like all of the election day shenanigans might be paying off for the deep state establishment in the state of Arizona in Maricopa County. I, oh my goodness, guys, we are, I told you guys, let them steal it, let them steal it, see what's going to happen, okay, see, uh, I mean, Maricopa County is the most populous state in the state of, I mean, county in the state of Arizona, ladies and gentlemen, okay, if you take Maricopa, okay, this is at an estimated 67% of the vote, here it says 45%, but Maricopa has 67% of the vote being uh, being reported. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my goodness, we're watching a steal in real time. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just, wow, someone get me a drink. <laughs> that is crazy. Okay, let's look back over here. Let's look back over here. Wow, wow, I am just like, Wow, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, not expecting that. 
I was not expecting that, but you know, I guess anything should be expected. 50% Taylor Robeson in Maricopa County and in Coconino County. Uh, La Paz County for Lake and also Greenlee County for Lake. Uh, you think Tucson is going to vote for Lake? Tucson's more Democrat than uh, most Democrat states, ladies and gentlemen. That is something else. Wowzers, what are the friends saying? What are you guys saying? <laughs> hey, Java, what's going on, buddy? Good to see you in the audience tonight. Cheater's going to cheat, he says. Cheater's going to cheat. Let's see here. And Blake Masters, he's still in the lead. Although that lead is, uh, oh, it looks like it widened a little bit. Brnovich gained a point since the last I saw. Interesting, interesting. Jim Lehman has one uh, county there. Okay, let's see what else we got. Mark Fincham, 34.6%. <coughs> excuse me, over Bo Lane. So again, Mark Fincham being the presumptive, that's with 40.5% of the vote in or being reported. Let's see, Abraham Hamaday is at 28.2%. He is uh, the America First, well, he is the Trump endorsed candidate. I'll say that at this point in time. And uh, he is taking the lead there, but by four percentile percentage points for attorney general. Ladies and gentlemen, very interesting. Wowzers, wowzers. Let's see where this goes from here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see where this goes from here. Uh, okay, do you guys have Michigan numbers for me? We need to get back to Michigan. We need to get back to the future. Okay, we'll just try and get some Michigan numbers in, guys, and then we will uh, get into our Michigan stories and we'll call it a night. Or if you guys would prefer, we can just stay up all night looking at uh, the numbers coming in. But uh, I got to get my sleep. <laughs> I am just flabbergasted by uh, flabbergasted by Carrie Lake, y'all. Flabbergasted. Okay, I don't think I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Let me just go ahead and... I actually think it's because I'm opening up all these windows that my uh, Foxhole app is spinning. So let me just stop doing that, right? Stop doing that, Mr. C. Okay, and close that one, and we'll refresh here, and uh, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Let's get to Michigan, y'all. The time is getting late, and uh, we are already halfway through our third hour. Okay, but hey, it's election primary night 2022 for two very, very important states, right? So we will get through it. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about Michigan. I just got a couple of stories on Michigan for you guys, and then we're going to call it an evening here over at the Sea Report. And I am so, uh, uh, so glad to have you all with us through the night. Let's see, what's the first story I got for Michigan? I don't even think I fixed it. Okay. Uh-huh. No, I don't want to say this story first. Uh, let's see here. Because I have another story to share with you guys. And it's about all the shenanigans that are going on in Michigan, or at least some of the shenanigans. Maybe not all of the shenanigans, but some of the shenanigans. Here we go. 
All right, there you go. You got a little rhino alert for Donnie Steele. I mean, they've probably known this for quite some time, but, uh, well, there you go. And look at, she's got elephants behind her, but she's no elephant. She's a rhino. Okay, so, uh, continuing with Donnie Steele. Steele has had other ethical allegations about her regarding suspicious property transfers she was involved in while sitting as a trustee. In 2018, Oakland County started the ability for cities and townships to send their absentees to Oakland County to be counted. Steele has tried to shut down criticism by claiming she could not get workers to staff the polling process. Others disagree, including one local longtime conservative activist, Let's go ahead and get Abraham Hamaday on the screen here, guys, because we are going to talk about Abraham Hamaday. He is currently winning in the race for attorney general. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what. We do not shy away from the truth here at the Sea Report, which uh, when Mr. C says something like that, you got to wonder what's coming. Right? Right. Okay. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit more warm and soft and squishy on the inside. Oh, 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 look, what do you know? It's Peter Meyer and it is John Gibbs, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, first story to share from the Gateway Pundit. And I'm going to kind of like, you know, rookie this for you guys. Okay, here we go again. Over in Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the Michigan rhinos, and there's a lot of them, are sending over ballots from conservative or Republican ballots over to liberal cities to be counted. What's that all about? It seems like, to me, there could be a little bit of chicanery going on there. Don't you think so? I think so, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead and check it out. Um, article says, and again, this is from the Gateway Pundit. So this is a little bit of the shenanigans they're doing over there in uh, Michigan. In Michigan, moderate Republicans have made plans behind closed doors to have the votes from conservative parts of the state counted instead by liberal jurisdictions. America First candidates are sounding the alarm. This is how the never Trumpers in both parties are going to keep cheating the vote. Orion Township in Michigan is reliably conservative part of the state. It elected one of the most reliably conservative members of the state house, Representative John Riley. So when plans were being made to count the August 2nd primary and November general election night results in Orion Township, the loud Rhino Township treasurer was <clears throat> saying that the clerk could not find enough volunteers to count the ballots and staff the tabulators. Ryan Township Treasurer Donnie Steele urged the township to send their ballots somewhere else to be counted. Steele is running for state representative, and some claim that her actions are suspicious. When a local government reassures conservatives that there won't be election fraud, trust us, isn't the most convincing argument after the obviously rigged 2020 election. The deep state rhinos are empowering voter fraud by counting conservative ballots with liberal vote tabulators. In a secret meeting with the city um, attorney for advice on the matter, the Orion Township Board met and discussed, and then later in a public meeting, 
unanimously voted to send the ballots from their conservative parts of Oakland County, Michigan, to the liberal leadership in the liberal cities supposedly to save costs. These liberal cities were the same ones that on election night 2020 were illegally pushing out Republican poll watchers. These liberal cities were the same ones that all suspiciously had late night ballot drops, such as the infamous Biden ballot drop in Detroit. Pictured here, 3.30 a.m. at the TCF Center in Detroit, Michigan, right? Uh, the liberal jurisdictions were also the ones with unexplainable statistical anomalies in, anomalies in their absentee ballot totals. Oakland County even had a courageous whistleblower come forward swearing out one of a th swearing out one of a thousand ignored affidavits across southeast Michigan that she noticed repeated substantial violations of Michigan election laws on election night 2020. Cynthia O'Halloran noticed that Oakland County did not properly verify voter signatures, that there were multiple suspicious systemic abnormalities among military absentee ballots, among other problems. Michigan Republican Party Grassroots Vice Chair Marianne Sheridan said, Voters who elect local officials to conduct our elections feel more confident in the process and know who is accountable for integrity. So when these officials shift that responsibility to people they did not elect for the sake of convenience, their trust has been broken. Other election integrity activists report similar chain of custody problems being created by supposedly Republican clerks across the state. In West Bloomingfield, and sorry, in West Bloomfield, Michigan, the local clerk Debbie Binder has contracted with a private firm, Kent Communications, out of Grand Rapids, to handle ballots, collect ballots, and ultimately deliver ballots to the counting board. One of the private company vans collecting ballots from conservative areas to be processed in liberal cities. There you go. That's what it looks like. That is a liberal van, ladies and gentlemen. Ugh. That is the Orion Township Treasurer, Donnie Steele. It says here, this is just the way to cheat, said one local longtime activist and Republican Party official who was too afraid of repercussions to be named. Clerks like Donnie Steele refused to fund the workers the clerks needed, leaving no choice but to send the ballots off to liberal cities like Pontiac. We know what they're going to do. They're going to control the results by fabricating absentee ballots on election night, by adjudicating ballots in the Dominion voting machine, and then showing up with a late night absentee ballot dump. Donnie Steele is the so-called Republican who is enabling and empowering all of this left-wing voter fraud in Oakland, California. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. In regards to Orion Township Treasurer Republican Rhino Donnie Steele, let it be known what time it is. There are tons of people are, there are tons of people willing to work the polls. This is a very solidly Republican area. There's no excuse they could not get workers. The new location for ballots to be counted is now at a canvassing board in Pontiac. 
Pontiac is a in, is a deep blue part of Michigan, what some describe as a mini Detroit. And there's a uh, Pontiac is right here, ladies and gentlemen, right in the heart of deep blue Michigan. In this file from 2016, you can see the basic partisan breakdown of Oakland County, Michigan. The rhinos in red areas are sending the ballots from those areas to be counted in the blue regions, enabling potential voter fraud and a repeat of the 2020 election disaster. A group of election integrity activists in Oakland County, Michigan, plans to protest outside of Donnie Steele's office to protest her decision um, to jeopardize the integrity of ballot counting. That's pretty crazy, guys. The many ploys, the many tactics that these individuals will use to ensure that they have stolen the election. Pretty crazy indeed. So there's that story, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what story we got next for you. How did I get two of these ones open? That's just beyond me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what is this here? Ah, well, yeah, I think his story's next. Any no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His story's next. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, the uh, gentleman, the, the, the figure you see before you, this is Abraham um, Hamaday. I think I said that right. Abraham Hamaday. And uh, he is currently the um, Trump-endorsed nominee for um, Attorney General of the state of Arizona. Okay. Uh, he is um, said to be an America first candidate, right? And uh, that obviously is why he received, we think that's why he received the nomination from President Trump. I should say the endorsement from President Trump. I mean, I heard there's certain criteria that you have to meet in order to get an endorsement from Trump, including raising a specific amount of money in campaign donations, Okay. Um, because I suppose if you can get to that threshold of campaign donations, then uh, Trump can have confidence that there are enough people backing you up. I think that is the logic behind that. Uh, but um, some interesting information has come out about Abraham Hamaday, ladies and gentlemen, that I thought... I mean, it behooves me to share this at the Sea Report, even though this is election night. This story actually just broke yesterday, guys. It just broke yesterday. Okay, so uh, so I'm not keeping you guys in a bit of suspense. Let's go ahead and get to the story. Headline reads: Abraham Hamaday may be a a questionable America First candidate. Which you're probably saying, what? Well, I mean, I'll be absolutely honest with you guys. I never heard of this man until um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Abraham Hamaday. Uh, but uh, don't even bother with what I have to say. Let's see what the article says about Abraham Hamaday. Is this the one? No, that's not the one. That's the Gibbs one. Hey, Mr. Gibbs, what's up? We'll be talking about you next, sir. So get yourself ready. Where are you at, Hamaday? There we go. Found it. Okay. All right. Headline reads. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, my goodness. He's in Arizona. Duh. <laughs> I told you I hadn't heard of this man. Okay. 
It's almost been four hours, guys. Please give... Oh, it's only... It's almost been three hours, guys. Please give me the benefit. Okay, so this man was supposed to be featured in the Arizona segment of the show. All of you guys, just, you know, just roll with it. Okay. We're going to skip back. You know what? You know what? Do you guys want to know about Hamaday? <laughs> oh, what a brain fart. Okay. I cracked myself up. Let's just talk about Hamaday. We're going to jump back to the Southwest again real quick. And then we're going to wrap it up with Peter Meyer and uh, John Gibbs. And we'll call it a night because clearly my, frame, my brain is getting frazzled, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So headline reads about um, Arizona Attorney General candidate, of course, because who's the Arizona? I mean, who's the Attorney General candidate in Michigan? Matthew DiPerno. What are we thinking, right? Okay, big time brain farts, ladies and gentlemen, big time brain farts. Uh, please do forgive. Uh, they're the silent but deadly kind, I mean. Okay, so uh, Arizona Attorney General candidates, Abraham Hamaday, padded campaign with fraudulent fundraising numbers, name change, and a dishonest resume. Okay, so again, this is a Trump-endorsed America First candidate. But we are going to do our due diligence because we don't play party politics and we're going to share the information. Um, it's it's actually it's compelling enough to share. So and I had no idea who this guy was either. But uh, here we go. All right. It says here, Arizona Republicans are suspicious of Abraham Hamaday, a Trump endorsed candidate who's run a very shady campaign. Well, show us the receipts, National File. Well, National File goes on to say Arizona Attorney General candidate Abraham Hamaday has run a shady campaign where he's faked fundraising numbers. Now, it says here that uh, Abraham Hamaday has run a shady campaign where he's faked fundraising numbers, changed his name from Ibrahim Jamal Hamaday, and hidden the truth about his short career as a prosecutor. While Hamaday's LinkedIn claims he was a prosecutor in Maricopa County's attorney's office for over four years, he spent 14 months of that time deployed to Saudi Arabia with the U.S. Army Reserves, according to his campaign website. And, uh, well, there is uh, the segment from his campaign website right there that proves that uh, fact. And uh, this is from his website also. It says, Abraham is an intelligence officer in the U.S. Army Reserve and just returned from a 14-month long deployment to Saudi Arabia. On behalf of the United States Army, Abraham negotiated military sales and managed the training of Saudi Arabia's domestic security forces, both in the kingdom and in the United States. He implemented the first-of-its-kind new enhanced security vetting in response to the 2019 Pensacola terrorist attack. His direct counterparts were generals, colonels, and lieutenants, uh, lieutenant colonels, pardon me, in the Saudi forces, as well as high-ranking civilians in their respective ministries. Abraham's awards include the Meritorious Service Medal, Army Achievement Medal, Gold German Armed Forces Proficiency Badge, and Overseas Service Ribbon, among others. If Hamaday spent 14 months in Saudi Arabia, he would have 34 months working for the county's attorney office. That's less than three years of experience as a prosecutor. During his short and uneventful career at the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, just over 100,000, that is uh, 100,655 to be exact, criminal cases were filed across the entire office. 
That would equate to 2,097 cases per month or 71,298 cases during Hamaday's 34 months of work with the county. Of those 71,298 cases, a fraction of them were assigned to Hamaday. Only 23 cases were assigned to Hamaday. <laughs> Nine more cases were handed off to Hamaday for probation violation matters, but the filing and sentencing work were completed before Hamaday began working at the office. A grand total of zero of the 32 cases under Hamaday ever went to trial. There is no record of Hamaday ever appearing before a jury or going to trial, and he was only listed as appearing in the courtroom ten times for six different cases. While Hamaday's court uh, experience is incredibly underwhelming, his fundraising is also questionable. Hamaday inflated his fundraising numbers by raising an enormous Oh, um, I apologize, by receiving an enormous loan from his brother, Wasim, on March 21st before refunding it only 14 days later. Wasim conveniently donated $1 million to his brother only 10 days before the first quarter FEC fundraising reporting deadline. Then, after he gave his brother back the million-dollar donation, Hamaday began advertising that he raised a total of $1,062,579 through the first quarter. This fraudulent money scheme boosted Hamaday into the limelight, making it appear he was running a successful fundraising campaign, somehow outraising all of his opponents, even, the, even with minimal law experience. After Hamaday spread word that he raked in over a million dollars over the three-month-long quarter, President Donald Trump ended up endorsing the 27-year-old. I know some 27-year-olds that would probably do something like that. Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona, a close ally of President Trump, believes Hamaday purposefully padded his fundraising numbers to mislead Trump into endorsing him. Um, Paul Gosar said, I guess this is a tweet probably, if full disclosure to President Trump was made of the actual cash on hand balance, then this is no big deal, but still unusual. But if not, it could be seen as misleading. Hamaday only put $80,000 of his own money into his campaign. After refunding his brother's loan, Hamaday only received $267,153 in total contributions. That amount pales significantly in comparison to his opponent's fundraising numbers, like the Gosar-endorsed Rodney Glassman, who has, who has raised one8 million dollars. Don Groves, $1.23 million. Andrew Gould's, $1.8 million. And Tiffany Shedd's, $416,000. At the end of June, Hamaday possessed less than $15,000 cash on hand. Adding to his shady campaign, Hamaday adopted a tactic used by failed Democrat presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke. Abraham Hamaday was born Ibrahim Jamal Hamaday, but recently filed to change his name allegedly due to pronunciation reasons.
And you know, I mean, uh, uh, what 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 name is a rose other than a rose, right? You know, like I don't know about the whole name thing as being. I mean, come on. Robert Francis O'Rourke calling himself Beta O'Rourke to win the Hispanic vote is kind of a stretch from Abraham to Abraham, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm ignorant, but that's just the way it seems to me. Anyhow, it says here, documents shared exclusively with national file by a former JAGC attorney on the condition of anonymity show Hamaday is currently under federal investigation by a, by a Department of Defense court-martial for breaking specific directives involving the separation of military and civilian authority. Hamaday has released a multitude of statements that break DOD Directive 1344, which covers political activities by members of the armed forces. Arizona needs an attorney general that's less attorney and more general, posted to Twitter in April with a photo of him and other army personnel. That's a photo of Hamaday. Uh, the attorney general candidate is wearing his U.S. Army uniform in multiple campaign graphics. While there is no prominent and clearly displayed disclaimer that neither the military information nor photographs imply endorsement by the Department of Defense or their particular military department as DOD 1344.10 expects. Simply put, the DOD directive restricts service members from using their role as a soldier to garner support. We're at war. We must stop the radical left from taking over. As your attorney general, I will restore law and order. Okay. And there's no, uh, the military does not endorse this candidate, you know, kind of a message on there. And uh, here's from the, uh, here's from the Department of Defense. Uh, additional limitations on nomination or candidacy and campaigning. Members not on active duty who are nominees or candidates for the offices described in subparagraph 4.2.1 may, in their campaign literature, including websites, videos, television, and conventional print advertisements, use or mention or, per or permit the use or mention of their military rank or grade and military service affiliation, but they must clearly indicate their retired or reserve status. Uh, 4.3.1.2 says, include or permit the inclusion of their current or former specific military duty, title, or position, or photographs in military uniforms when displayed with other non-military biographical details. Any such military information must be accompanied by a prominent and clearly displayed disclaimer that neither the military information nor photographs imply endorsement by the Department of Defense or their particular military department, or the Department of Homeland Security for members of the Coast Guard. Uh, example given, John Doe is a member of the Army National Guard. Use of his military rank, job titles, and photographs in uniform does not imply endorsement by the Department of the Army or the Department of Defense. So uh, apparently Abraham Hamaday is lacking such materials. A former JAGC attorney with extensive knowledge of the Uniform Code of Military Justice and Defense Department regulations said this of the Arizona Attorney General. A candidate. Hamaday has lied repeatedly throughout his campaign. He's lied about the extent of his career at the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, the number of felony cases he prosecuted, and his deployment to Saudi Arabia.
He is so dishonest that he even implied he was prosecuting criminals in the county attorney's office while he was 8,000 miles away deployed in Saudi Arabia. If this some is this someone you want to elect as Arizona attorney general with supervising an office with 400 plus attorneys and 1000 employees and a budget of over 61 million dollars and the duty to protect the people of the state by fighting crime consumer fraud illegal immigration and defending Arizona from the federal government some Republicans have expressed concern over Hamaday's religion. Conservative commentator Maggie McCarthy noted that Hamaday is a Sharia Muslim practitioner and suggested that religious Muslims are unfit for public office. Now, this is according to Maggie McCarthy. Maggie McCarthy says Trump endorsed a Sharia Muslim practitioner. Here is Abe Hamaday wearing a white ihram at Islam's most holy site in Mecca. And you guys can search that photo if you'd like to see it. Or heck, we could just show it to you guys here also. Uh, the Islamic faith rejects a variety of fundamental U.S. beliefs and beliefs like freedom of conscience, freedom of expression, economic liberty, and equal treatment under the law. Hamaday has hidden his religion and faith from the public eye throughout the entirety of his campaign. The Arizona Republican primary is today, and it's done and said with but uh that that was just filed yesterday ladies and gentlemen and there's a picture of Abe Hamaday in his ihram being a sharia muslim practitioner so i don't know guys i don't know you know i mean i don't know what to say about it guys i mean i didn't know who this ibrahim hamaday was anyways and uh, he came out of nowhere as the attorney general uh, endorsed uh, uh, Trump endorsed candidate. And I was like, OK, well, I'll run with it because I mean, I didn't even run with it. I've, this is the first time I've ever reported on Abraham Hamaday. And uh, it'll probably not be the last time I feel like if he's going to win this nomination. Right. Right. OK, guys, now we can get back to Michigan. And uh, well, here is the last story for the night. Woo. Boy, what a run this has been. Hey, Lee Worth, Leah Worth, how you doing? Welcome into the show. Good to have you with us tonight and glad you're doing well. Yeah, the buffering's been happening here and there, but we're still running strong here over at the Sea Report um, and uh, great to have you with us. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into this little discussion of Peter Meyer and uh, John Gibbs. Okay. Uh, let's see if the article, yeah, I think we're ready to go. Okay, it says GOP congressional nomination on the line in Western Michigan. And this is from the Epoch Times. It says, um, in Western Michigan, voters headed to the polls on August 2nd to determine if the third congressional district's Republican nominee will be first term representative Peter Meyer, who voted to impeach President Donald Trump or challenger John Gibbs, who is endorsed by Trump. The winner will face Hillary Shulton in the general election on November 8th. Shulton was unopposed in the Democrat primary. Michigan's 3rd District has a different look after newly drawn maps from redistricting. The district, which includes Grand Rapids, has not seen a Democrat congressional member since 1993. With the new map, organizations like the Cook Political Report, Inside Elections, and Sabato's Crystal Ball rate the general election a toss-up. 
three days after he was sworn into the 117th Congress, Meyer was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump over the U.S. Capitol breach on January 6, 2021. Whether that looms large or did not deter Myers, chances for another term will be known when results are announced tonight. Accompanied by his wife and other family members, Meyer cast his vote in the morning of August 2nd, or he attempted to do so at least. With a contingent of TV cameras and reporters standing nearby, a poll worker stood with Meyer as he inserted his ballot into the machine. It kept getting returned and the poll worker said there was a paper jam. A few minutes later, poll workers resolved the problem. Meyer placed his ballot in the machine once again, and this time it was accepted. He smiled and high-fived an exasperated poll worker. Moments later, Meyer and his family stood in front of reporters outside the precinct at Forest Hills Baptist Church in Grand Rapids. This is my first re-election, and it's in a new district, Meyer said. We feel confident that we will win today. It's been a long road, and this is just the first step, he added. After today, we will have to... You know what? I don't care what you have to say, Meyer. Anyways, Meyer talked about the homes he has visited across the district. While this is a nice write-up on Peter Meyer, okay. Anyhow, Meyer's... I don't know. Okay, Meyer is unelectable in November, Gibbs believes, because the freshman legislator voted to impeach Trump and also voted for the gun control bill. Those are just two reasons why many Republicans would not support him in November, Gibbs told the Epoch Times. Standing outside a community center near his home in Byron Center, Gibbs talked to reporters before casting his vote. November is not about Democrats versus Republicans, Gibbs said. It's about crazy versus normal. And I'm normal. Meyer has raised 10 times more money than Gibbs, and as of July, mid-July, he has spent $2.1 million on the campaign compared to Gibbs' $340,000, which is interesting considering that Gibbs has been in the, uh, has been in the lead tonight. Meyer was in the news on August 1st when he blamed the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee for funding a $435,000 ad that appears to attack Gibbs, calling him too conservative for West Michigan and reminding viewers of his ties to Trump. Critics of the ad, including Meyer, claimed that it provided airtime for a campaign that has not had the money to elevate its name recognition on television in the Grand Rapids market. Ha! So Meyer's like, any publicity is good publicity. Publicity? Meyer wrote that it would seem like the Democrats would look at John Gibbs and see the embodiment of what they say they fear the most. That, as patriots, they would uh, use every tool at their disposal to defeat him and similar candidates that they said are an existential threat. Instead, they are funding Gibbs. Gibbs told the Epoch Times that he, Meyer, is making excuses and finding people to blame for when he loses. Gibbs was a U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development official during the Trump administration. He was appointed by Trump to lead the Office of Personnel Management, but was not confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Trump also appointed Gibbs to the 1776 Commission, where he fought critical race theory and similar extremist ideologies by helping communities focus educational curricula on the founding documents and principles rather than divisive 
identity politics, according to his website. <clears throat> from Lansing, Michigan, from Lansing in Michigan, Gibbs holds a bachelor's degree in computer science from Stanford University and a master's degree in public administration from Harvard University. He spent seven years in Japan as a missionary and is fluent in Japanese, and he worked in Silicon Valley as a software engineer before his role with the housing department. I'm glad to have President Trump's endorsement, but I'm me. I'm John Gibbs, and I think people appreciate my story and my background, Gibbs told the Epoch Times. I appeal to conservatives, independents, and even some Democrats because we are all impacted by gas prices, inflation, and a cost of living that has escalated because of out-of-control spending in Congress, he added. Gibbs expressed confidence that he will win when results are announced and referenced an internal poll that showed 38% of Republican primary voters say there's no chance they'd vote for Meyer in the general election, and 6% say they would rather vote for the Democrat than for Meyer. Impact Research released a poll in February stating that 60% of respondents said they would vote for Meyer's opponent compared to 26% who reported they would back Meyer. According to that survey, Meyer's support plummeted to 21% when voters were informed about his vote to impeach Trump when, while Gibbs gained 52% backing. The same impact research poll indicated that in a Meyer-Gibbs matchup, Gibbs would get 30% compared to 19% for Meyer. At the time, 38% were undecided and other contenders who were in the race then collected a combined 6%. I'm about to go in here and vote, and I think that all of the enthusiasm for our campaign shows we will win tonight, Gibbs said before walking into the precinct. Meyer and his supporters will gather at 8 p.m. for a watch party in Grand Rapids, and a watch party for Gibbs and his backers will be held in Byron Center. Polls close at 8. Ladies and gentlemen, polls close at 8. And uh, the C-Report closes in approximately... 10 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause we're just, we're, we're, that was the last story. That was a pretty interesting story, huh? My, I like Meyer. I mean, whenever I saw him at the Michigan rally, I was like, this guy, he's a fellow and I like fellows, ladies and gentlemen. I like fellows. Yep. 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 <laughs> Uh, Lee Worth says it's the same crap as last election, kicking people out, covering windows, bullying them and intimidating tactics. The same crap, you know, and it's true. Actually, we're in the dark. I guess I could say it's the same shit. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, the same thing was being reported in. Actually, I heard it was really bad in Nevada. I heard in the Nevada primary um, a few weeks ago, they, they it was really bad. Like they were literally getting physical with all the people and they were kicking people out. And it was just a very bad situation, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, guys, so we're going to wrap it up by just taking one last look at where the polls are. So this way I can go to sleep and be like, oh, Carrie Lake won, right? <laughs> or did she, ladies and gentlemen, or did she? Okay, let's view all the races. I know I went back to the Epoch Times. Look at me. Okay, so because <laughs> it's the only one I know that works. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, expand this for the audience. 
Yes, yes, it is 10.50 p.m. Texas time. Polls are closed, Two Rivers. <clears throat> okay, so it says here, uh, Arizona U.S. Senate Republican Blake Masters. Um, I guess he's, oh, well, so that's 70% in, okay, 70% in. Karen Robeson, 49.26% over Kerry Lake is a piece of crap, okay? That's a lie. This is fraud, and I can already tell some lawsuits are coming, ladies and gentlemen. That's at 65% of the vote included. Uh, Tudor Dixon will take Michigan's governor Republican primary at 38.01%. Eric Schmidt uh, is going is the uh, is taking the uh, U.S. Senate Republican primary over Eric Greitens at 45.92%. And uh, let's see, we'll view all the races here real quick. It's not all the races, obviously, but uh, actually, you know, I'm so bad. Okay, so let me, um, we need to see what's going on in Washington, guys. Did they get primaried or what, right? Like, we need to see if they got primaried, you know? We need to see if they got primaried in Washington. Results, okay. And then we'll call it an evening. Uh, okay, so Butler takes 24.50% over Joe Kent. This is with 71% in the mix. So here's your Trump-endorsed candidate. Here's your band of losers. Okay, good to know. Let's look at Washington House Primary 4. Dan Newhouse takes 27.35%. Lauren Culp is at 21.77%. And if this is the top two primary, right? Top two primary. Then it's going to be Marie Perez and Jamie Butler that will be in the midterm election. So it looks like as of right now, there will be at least two remaining bands of brothers. And the fate of... Uh, Peter Meyer hangs in the balance. Very, very interesting, guys. Very interesting. All right. Well, I was kind of curious about that. And uh, let's just do one more. One more run through, right? Um, we'll look at Arizona. Man, what are you guys going to do if Carrie Lake does not get the nomination? What are y'all going to do? Are y'all going to have a summer of love or what? <laughs> Dang, y'all. So uh, we still got Blake Masters for U.S. Senate race. We still have. I just cannot believe this Karen Robeson. I do not believe this at all. I mean, I, I believe it, but I don't believe it, right? Thank you, Sean Joe. Appreciate you, bro. I know. I don't know about this rank choice voting. That's for sure. That's for sure. I don't know about that rank choice voting. Okay, guys. Well, I guess we'll wake up tomorrow and see what is going to happen. I'm expecting that there will be there will be consequences, ladies and gentlemen. There will be consequences for stealing this election from Carrie Lake.
you, I mean, you know, she's not going to just, you know, she's not just going to lie down. Right. I mean, y'all know that obviously. So, all right, guys, as I said, <laughs> show's over in 10 minutes. It's about to be 11 PM central Texas time. Uh, thank you all for joining us tonight, joining me tonight, joining everyone in the chat rooms across the boards, whether you are over at the foxhole.apppilled.net, Clout Hub, Rumble, Twitch, or YouTube. Uh, much appreciate your, uh, your presence and your spirit being here with us. Uh, to everyone over at the foxhole.apppilled.net that donated to the show today, Gold Pills, thank you so much for your generosity and for your support of the show. That's definitely going to go a long way for me, ladies and gentlemen. And I cannot express my gratitude enough from my heart to yours. Thank you so much for that, guys. Thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate y'all. I do, I do. And um, well, we'll be back again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think we're having a jam-packed day tomorrow. I think tomorrow's my day of three shows. So we'll have an episode of Lone Star News at 3 p.m. Central Time. We'll also have uh, the new edition of the Sea Report coming in at 7.30 p.m. And then at 10 p.m. we'll have This Is News with myself and the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy channel. Should be a fun time tomorrow. If not just a little bit tiring, I think we'll be okay. In the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, as always... As you go into that dark night, whether it is to uh, just lay your head down or go grab a bite to eat, uh, be safe and uh, be blessed, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. We'll see y'all tomorrow. This is Mr. C signing out. Have a great night and thank you once again from my heart to yours. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say, because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run C in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do C in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. We're sorry, the number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Though victory is proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign, he will quit.
So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair. But how do you stand to the blow that is struck? And how do you battle despair? A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear. And it's easy to see the way out. But the test of a man's judgment is something to fear. And what does he do when in doubt? And the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast. It's the way that he suffers the griefs that he knows that bring out his worst or his best. The test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right. How long will he stand in the depths of despair? How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near, and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin, unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.